Welcome to the Buried Treasures Podcast, brought to you by Masjid Uthman, where I interview a new guest every week to discover their journey. I'm Hamza Warsi. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, wa salatu wa salam, ala rasulihil kareem, Sayyidina Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Jazakumullahu khairan everyone for joining us. Today we got the guest of all guests, the Sheikh. Trust me. Oh you know, mashallah, that's what he's been known for now. Uh, trying. <laughs> none other than Sheikh Omar Hadruj, man. How you doing? Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Appreciate I, you coming. I, I, love the, I love the setup. I got to call that from the beginning. Nice, so. mashallah. I don't know what to expect, especially when like it's a warehouse. You know, <laughs> are we telling people where the location is, or it's a secret location? No, everyone they know. Yeah, it's not a problem. You're like, yeah, it's a warehouse. Don't worry, just come by. I'm like, oh, okay. Got you food. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I was actually picturing an actual warehouse. Like, oh, okay. Like I thought I was gonna walk in. You know, there's gonna be like a car. You know what I'm talking about? You know, <laughs> yeah, those yeah, kind yeah. of warehouses, like parts around. I'm just gonna just sit, but. This is legit. Nice, nice. Good stuff. Allah. Good to have your uh, your appreciation for it, mashallah. Of course, Definitely. I call it like I see it. Definitely doesn't always doesn't always uh, work out well, but I try. Are you trying to rebrand yourself as the real one? No, no. I just I just use the the phrase that one of my friends uses. I just keep it gully. You ever heard that one? No, I haven't. It's gonna it's gonna pick up. It's gonna pick <laughs> that's up. A trust trust me. It's <laughs> <laughs> a trust me. So that's that's the thing. You know, we just try to. Try to keep it 100. Nice, nice. 10 well. times 10. However you want to say. Nice, mashallah. So, man, tell me a little bit about, a little bit about yourself. Where were you born and raised? Uh, and when did you make the migration uh, to the Mubarak <laughs> lands of Chicago, Sharif? I was, I consider myself a Chicagoan. Okay. I, I was born in Michigan, Kalamazoo. Nice. That's where they're, uh, they're releasing the, uh, the, the vaccine from, <laughs> just so you know. I had nothing to do with that, but it's just <laughs> similar, you know, uh, sources. <laughs> I'm from there. The vaccine's from there. Both trying to save the world, inshallah. <laughs> no, I'm joking. But um, no, I was born in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Uh, that's where my that's where my parents were. And then we moved to, to Chicago when I was like two. So Oh, nice. Yeah, so I grew up in the, in the Chicago suburbs for, for my whole life, alhamdulillah. Is this why you're, uh, I see that shirt right there. Michigan? Yeah. I am a diehard Michigan fan. Why? So you guys can see. That's like, this is the team that that breaks my heart <laughs> more than any <laughs> other team. This is the team that I love more than any other team. Someone like asked me, like, do you prefer like the Chicago sports team? I said, look, I would rather have Michigan win a national championship in football than the Bulls winning a Super Bowl. Than, the Bulls I mean... <laughs> Dang, it's it's late. It's late. Don't it's tell me. I'm sorry. <laughs> then the Bulls winning a uh, another title. There only won six. Yeah. Then the Bears winning a Super Bowl. Then the Cubs winning a World Series. And then the White Sox winning World Series. Wow. Yeah. So they mean I'm, a lot to you then. I'm 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 dying. But it's not healthy, man. It's not. Like <laughs> so I've tried to detach myself recently, especially because they haven't been good recently. <laughs> but you know, it is what it is. But yeah, that's what that's kind of where this came from. It's like a. It's an attachment to home. Other than that, though, any of the the Michigan sports teams, nothing home? else. No, no, just it's all, nice it's all, it's all, it's all Chicago. Nice, nice, Chicago Nice to know that you're up in the right side. Trying, 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 trying. trying. But yeah, so I, I grew up uh, pretty much my whole life until I went to Medina, Mashallah. in Chicago. So tell me a little bit about your life prior to Medina. So I'm an IFS guy. Nice. I went Mashallah. to IFS pretty much uh, K through 12, except for 
three days that I went to CPSA. <laughs> <laughs> when was this? <laughs> it was before my junior year. Oh, Long no, story. No, you guys don't want to hear it, but I went there for three days and I went right back to IFS. <laughs> Never looked back. <laughs> no offense, everyone from CBSA. You guys are awesome. But uh, yeah, so I'm a, I'm an IFS guy. So I grew up, alhamdulillah, my, my parents made it a point to, to put us in Islamic school, uh, to be in, the, in a good environment, to be around, you know, around Muslims, uh, around the masjid. Uh, so, so I was, that was something that I think shaped me a lot uh, being in that environment. But at the same time, they were like really insistent also on like, you know, playing sports. So I, I played everything from soccer to football, to basketball, to baseball nice. district, you know, alhamdulillah. Maybe that's another podcast, <laughs> inshallah, we'll talk about that. <laughs> uh, so that was me, man. I was big into sports, big into just, you know. Uh, just you know, having a good time, as well. but at the same time, alhamdulillah, I I grew up in that that kind of environment, always around, you know, uh, Muslims, good environment. Even I was going to full time Islamic school, and then my parents also insisted that we went to weekend school as well. So I went to Saturday school. Nice. <laughs> yeah, man. So alhamdulillah, I mean, in the time you're just like, man, this sucks. Yeah, <laughs> you're go to Saturday school too. <laughs> But you look back at it, and it's it's something I really, really appreciate, uh, you know, my family for. It's always giving us that environment to be able to, to succeed and to thrive. And alhamdulillah. So that's kind of what my life was like uh, before Medina. Um, even then, you know, so I went to, you know, graduated, went to college, <laughs> went to IIT for one semester. Mm -hmm. Dipped real quick from there. <laughs> Went to Benedictine, you know, the typical like trajectory, like, you know, the IFS, Benedictine, Midwestern. <laughs> <laughs> you know how it is. I didn't go to Midwestern, though, but Allah, maybe I was on the way to that. But um, I was, you know, the, the typical uh, med school kind of on pre -med the track, pre-med track, all that stuff. And then... Uh, you know, I got accepted to Medina and that's where things went a very nice, different direction. Sure. Yeah. So before getting accepted into Medina, you would have to apply to Medina as well, right? Yeah. 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 So you can apply like now it's like super modern. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like you can apply online, which people are like, what do you mean modern? <laughs> that's always how it's been. No, like not over there. Like over there, it was like you either would have to send your application with someone who's um, making Umrah mm -hmm. and they would drop it off for you. Or you could try to do it online, but most likely it'll never go through. <laughs> uh, or you actually go for Umrah yourself and apply. And that's what I did, alhamdulillah. I went with uh, actually one of the the weekend schools that I was a part of. It's called uh, Riyadh al-Salihin. I don't know if you know Sheikh Ihab yeah, yeah, Sha'ir. He's in North Carolina now, but he had that. He had a school. Uh, so we went for Umrah with them. Just, it was nice, small group, like a bunch of the guys. Uh, and I applied then. So I actually went in person because if you go in person, you can actually get an interview in person as well. Mm -hmm. And so I applied. I don't want to say what year because then people will know how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> it was a while ago. A while ago. A while. I like that people think that I'm younger than I actually am. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What yeah. do people think you are? In terms of age. Why would I say that? Because then you know how I am. <laughs> I get everything. Someone's like, are you 21? Like, yeah, <laughs> close, close. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, I get all across that. Oh, wow. Mashallah. You look young, man. Uh, how old do you think I look? I know how old you are. I'm pretty sure. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind then. Don't answer. <laughs> yeah. Mashallah. No, mashallah. So you go with Sheikh Ihab to, for Umrah. Yeah. And that's when you apply. What made you want to apply to Medina University? Um, you know, just... I always take it back to like the reason I emphasize like being in IFS and stuff was because that really set like the groundwork for me for just like what I deemed and what I valued, like what I thought, what I deemed to be important mm -hmm. in life. So it really like being in that kind of environment and stuff really, it, it, it brought me like this affinity and this attachment to like to Islam and to, and to learning Islam and stuff. And so in that environment also, I had access to, you know, to teachers who had went and studied, who I benefited from a lot to, uh, you know, different classes and institutes that I was able to attend their classes and, and their programs and stuff. And so <clears throat> like seeing that and me kind of having a, like being pulled towards that, it just, it, it built in me this, that, that same idea, like, I want to be able to go and, and study too, you know, and I want to be able to go and like, that's just kind of what I felt from like a high school age. Like I want to be able to have that kind of, uh, you know, benefit and impact myself, you know, and I could never see myself working like a, a nine to five job. I just couldn't. Yeah. Like, I don't know if that was out of laziness, you know, <laughs> I'm like, dude, so they don't have, even have summer break, <laughs> like no summer vacation. It's just like, just keep coming in and keep <laughs> coming in and keep coming. So I was just like, man, I don't know if I want to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so yeah, maybe it was a combination of those things, but teachers who had went to Medina as well and studied. And I just like felt like, you know, and maybe looking back at it, it's not, you know, the, the best uh, approach or intention, but I'm like, man, like they have an impact on people, you know, like they're benefiting. Like I benefited, I, I grew, I'm, I'm learning. Right. And like to, to, so to be able to, to be that to someone else, like, I just thought like, that's, I like that. It's kind of what I want to do, you know, teaching. I felt like, uh, that was an area that I liked, you know? So <clears throat> why did you choose Medina university say over like Umm al-Quran Makkah? Like between those two, Medina is a lot more accessible to, foreign students hmm. right because actually medina university was built with the intention of it being an international university so it's changed now uh but they used to have like this it was like 70 percent non-saudis and 30 percent saudi so it was always like accessible and meant for people to come from from out of the country so you'll have you have people they call it the university that the sun never sets on because you have uh uh, people from like 200 countries there. so that's kind of what it was there for right mm -hmm. uh, and then of course like a lot of people who who i knew who had went there who had benefited from there as well that just kind of gave me a pull to their umul quraz is great too yeah but they accept a lot less international students mm. uh there are some american i don't know if you know any of the guys who went there muzammil data boy he's there now uh and some others as well uh but it's it's a lot less of a international mm. vibe to it, nice. so they don't accept as many, and it's uh, you know it's 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 not really geared towards 
like international students. Yeah. But it's still it's still a great great school. But that's mm-hmm. kind of what pushed me towards Medina. Mm-hmm. You know, just that influence of of the people who I I knew who went there and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was nice. It was nice. There were some people that I met. Uh, like we went for Umrah also in 2007 mm-hmm. with this group, and we got to meet like some of the students and some of the scholars there in Medina. And, in particular, I don't know if you you know Tahir Wyatt. I've heard the name. Yeah, Sheikh Tahir Wyatt is is an amazing, amazing guy. Mashallah, he's he'd probably get upset if you heard me say that. But he's he graduated with a PhD from uh, Medina recently. He's back here in I think in Philly, and he was there like so when when we when I met him, he was a master's student, mm-hmm. convert, accepted Islam as a teenager, Mashallah. went to Medina. He's been there. He was there for over 20 years, like oh, wow. studying and stuff. So just seeing someone like that and just vibing with him and benefiting a lot from him, it was like it was a push to that as well. Right. Sure. That just shows like the people that are around you, mm-hmm. the influence that they have and stuff like that. So nice. So how was the interview process like? It's interesting. So <laughs> you go in um, and they just, you know, it's it's the, the reason I'm, I'm like, I'm like, pausing here is because you just realize like how subjective of a process it is Mm -hmm. like there's not really anything that is set or that indicates like for sure either this person's going to get accepted or not you know Mm -hmm. uh so like even going in and applying and bringing all the paperwork is like you bring like your high school diploma and you have like recommendation letters and stuff but still like you have no idea and so we went in uh and it was, uh, I still remember who the sheikh was and he brought me in and he just like, he'll just ask you questions like, what have you studied before and mm-hmm. why do you want to come here? And, you know, uh, like just that kind of stuff, just to kind of see like if you've put, for example, like in your recommendation letter, the person who recommended you said they studied this thing, right? Mm-hmm. So then he'll ask you something from that like that particular mm-hmm. like science, right? If you said you memorized this much of the Quran, you're like, all right, read from here. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So scary, they're not man. really, yeah, <laughs> they're not really though looking for like someone who's like a scholar, right? Mm-hmm. That's not the goal, but they're looking for someone, I guess, who like they see is uh, like willing and dedicated, right? And so I left the interview. I had no idea whether I would get accepted or not, but. You know, and I don't really tell people this, but, you know, I, I like this setup, so I'm going to be a little bit more open. I'm joking. But, like, he came to me after the interview, and he's like, which college do you want to enter? Because mm-hmm. there's five different, like, they call them kulliyat. It's like yeah. the College of Hadith, Sharia, Quran, uh, Arabic, and Usul al-Din, like Aqidah and stuff. So uh, he, he asked me that, and I was like, it doesn't seem like a normal thing that you would ask in the interview, but it was after. So he's like, hey... Which one would you do you want to go? And I told him like Sharia, mm-hmm. and so I think he kind of like wrote that down. So that kind of gave me like a a sense of you know maybe I will get accepted, right? <laughs> but I didn't find out until uh, one year later. Oh wow! Yeah, that was that was in the summer. That was in July. Yeah, I found out the next August. Subhan. They released the names of people who get accepted online. So you had no idea you were just going to Benedictine at the uh, time. No idea. Like, I'm like, maybe I'll get accepted. You never know. Yeah. But you got to live your life like as if you're not going to get accepted. Mm-hmm. So I just doing my thing at Benedictine, yeah. being dumb, you know, 
on the MSA. <laughs> That's not why I was being dumb. I said the MSA is dumb, but you know, it was just, just chilling, hanging just do out. Just my thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I got, like, I'll give you an example. Like I took my MCAT in August. Mm-hmm. I got accepted. Uh, I found out I got accepted like two days later. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I was like in the process, wow, right? Shama. Like uh, it was, it literally it was like two days later. I still remember, you know, I was in, <laughs> I was in Florida visiting my uncle and I woke up to a bunch of like texts like, hey, you got accepted. Your name's on the list. And I was just like, it wasn't the, it wasn't the reaction that I thought that I would have. What it was, was it? just like, a, <laughs> it, it felt like a, like a ton of bricks just kind of fell on me because mm. it was like, this is real, yeah, you know, like, and, and I think it was in, a, in that moment that I realized like a lot, a lot is going to change now, mm-hmm. you know? And so sometimes when when you uh when you realize that you're at a, like a turning point in your life like it can be very uh you can be very anxious it can be very anxiety inducing cuz you're like everything that i'm used to like we're creatures of habit right mm-hmm. we love to be you know to know what's coming and stuff like that so everything that i'm used to is now going to change right mm-hmm. uh and that was that was the reality but in that moment it was just like kind of overwhelming mm-hmm. But alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah. And your family was always uh, supportive of your decisions to go. So study. what was interesting is that in the in the beginning, there's like this, and I always tell this to people like who want to go and study and stuff, is like there's a lot of time there's a lot of time there's like this this people just don't know, right? Mm-hmm. They don't like you what do you mean you're gonna go? Like now it's becoming more common. You have yeah. a gap year, you're gonna go study, you come back, there's things that you can do with it and stuff. Yeah. But Back then, and it wasn't that long ago, so it wasn't like this completely different world, right? But why are you laughing? Because you're 21, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was like two years ago. <laughs> um, but it was there was still this like, and there still is this to this day. Like, but mm-hmm. there was this idea like, dude, what are you gonna do with that? Mm. You know, like you're gonna go for however many years, and you're gonna come back, and basically you're you're leaving school, you're leaving in this case, medical school and all these things, like what's, what's going to be like your, your job or your, like, what are you going to do when you come back? Right. Mm -hmm. So that's a natural thing. And I always tell like, cause I I get like sometimes people who want to go and study and the main obstacle is, is their parents. Mm -hmm. And it's not from a negative thing. Like, though, I don't want you to go study, but it's just, they don't like, they want what's best for you. And and they want you to go to like something that is more secure. Right. Mm -hmm. I.e. medical school, <laughs> you know how it is. Um, but so initially my parents were kind of like, they were like just uh, cautious, hesitant. Like what? But then alhamdulillah, man, like they were very, very uh, supportive. Once you like, once I was able to show them like, that this is no, like I, this is something I want to do. And this is something inshallah that's going to be beneficial. It went from them being like hesitant, cautious, like, no, you're not going to go to being, uh, you know, the biggest supporters, alhamdulillah. Mashallah. So, especially, especially my father, uh, may Allah have mercy on him. Uh, he He's someone that uh, encouraged me heavily, like not just to, to, to study and to benefit and to excel uh, at all stages of life, but even when I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm going to come back. Like when I was finished, he's, he said, no, continue. Like sure. go and continue. So, uh, you know, alhamdulillah. So it's it's really just about 
trying to get on the same page. It's not like a, it's not a battle, right? It's just trying to trying to you know find that common ground, being able to have those kind of conversations, and then and then your parents at the end of the day. I mean, no one wants uh, better for you than them. You know, I know that's kind of hard for sometimes people to hear, mm-hmm. but that's the reality. You know, and you realize that just the older that you get, that there's nothing like no, they say like no one wants anyone else to be better than them except the parents with their children, you know? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of how we got to where we were. Mashallah. So what did you get on your MCAT? <laughs> I don't tell anybody that. <laughs> Nobody. Mashallah. Okay. I, that's one thing. Like, I don't know why. I just have like these, these like quirks. Yeah. yeah I no just problem. don't tell anybody. Yeah. So, no. I'm <laughs> Yeah, yes, yeah. literally, I think only my pa- I told my parents, Mashallah. and then maybe my my siblings, <laughs> maybe I told my brother, and he did better than me on his. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's a doctor, so he he took the pressure off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, Mashallah. So you got accepted in August. Yeah. Um. When did you begin? Man, that's another thing. Like, the process back then. Like I don't, I, I don't want to be like on 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 record like bashing, <laughs> uh, you know, the Saudi system. But um, who cares? I'm just joking. <laughs> but uh, it was a little bit. There was there was a little bit of of um, delay in the process, mm-hmm. uh, for lack of a better word. So I actually didn't end up going until February. Oh, I got wow. accepted in August. And I and I went February. I left February fourteenth, wow. Valentine's Day. Nice, because <laughs> <laughs> um, there was a lot of paperwork that I needed to do. Mm-hmm. I had to go and get like uh, background check. You know, mm. I went to the state police and Joliet, and you know, make sure that you got no felony right. convictions <laughs> and stuff. Uh, and then just a lot of like, you know. Uh, work with the embassy trying to get like a visa and mm-hmm. it has a certain amount of time and so it was it was a process you know but alhamdulillah it was it was smooth um and i always think the people who like there was a lot of there's american students in medina who kind of gathered together mm-hmm. and and created this like group to help others Mashallah. um you know to help other american students to come and like to to be able to to settle in mm-hmm. and get things done that they needed to get done because there's a lot of like anyone who's been to like another country, especially like in the in the Arab world and stuff like there's a lot of you know red tape and bureaucracy that you kind of have to get through to get things done you know yeah. so and if you don't have someone helping you it, it becomes very difficult so these American students who are there. Uh, they they really like made the process easy so they were helping us when we were here from back there mm-hmm. and then they helped us all along through so they made the uh, even though it was a long process because of their help alhamdulillah it was it was simple nice. it was something simple for us and so yeah i, I got accepted in august and i went in, in february so did you end up missing any of the curriculum or any of the school no so it's good what's good is that it's a semester based system so mm-hmm. the semester like you can jump into any semester like between like it's not like a full year system yeah so i got there actually in between the first and second semester okay so when i got there i was able to start in the you know the spring semester you could say mm-hmm. right um so i i didn't i didn't miss anything so that was that was nice alhamdulillah 
Um, and I started with the Arabic program. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So anyone who comes from a Western country or a mm -hmm. non-Arabic speaking country, if you go there not knowing how to speak Arabic or at least not showing that you know how to speak Arabic, you're eligible to go to the Arabic program, mm -hmm. which is known to be, I'm going to be biased here, but I'm a Medina guy. So it's known to be a, a very good Arabic program mm -hmm. to teach people who don't have a grasp of the language, the language. So it's a two-year program. Uh, and then you go into the college. Mm -hmm. And so I, alhamdulillah, I mean, like I, I come from an Arab background, but mm -hmm. I didn't like study at length grammar and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I really needed to go to that Arabic program. So they told us, they were like, this is the, the benefit of having like people who are older there. They're like, look, when you go, because they do like an interview, like to make sure that you don't speak Arabic. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, because they want you to go to straight to the college. Yeah. Because like, the Arabic program, there's a lot of people, right? Yeah. So they try to like, weed out who actually needs it or not because they know like mm -hmm. okay everyone not everyone who's coming from america is you know uh a blonde blue-eyed my name is john <laughs> how you doing uh i like apple pie no i mean they love that type of student because they're like oh this guy's american yeah. America, right but um they know like there's arabs from this country and mm -hmm. and from europe and stuff so they try to like weed it out and so they told us they're like look don't go in there and speak any Arabic. Even when he says like salam to you, just say hi. <laughs> Not to that extent, I'm just joking. But like, so you go in and they're like, they're trying to speak to you in Arabic and you're like, no Arabic, English only. <laughs> and so they're trying to like, well, are you sure? You seem like you're Arab. Like, what's your background? He's like, what did he say? He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm Arab background, but no Arabic. And then they're like, all right, man, whatever, go, fine. So then they send you to the to the Arabic department uh, and then you get tested in the Arabic department. It's four semesters, mm -hmm. right? So you have, and they call them mustawa, like level one, two, three, four. And so when you get into the Arabic department, then you can, you can place into a, a certain level. So like I placed into level two. Mm -hmm. That's kind of where I wanted to go based off of like what I saw, like what you're learning. Level one is like, it's very basic. Mm -hmm. Like I kind of I got that I got it. So let me do level two. So alhamdulillah, I I went I started from there. So I did a year and a half uh, in the Arabic department, and and you really need it too. Like mm -hmm. I needed it because look, just be very frank here. Like I was coming as a spoiled American like kid, mm -hmm. right? I was I was young. I I didn't know exactly what I was getting myself into in terms of like mm -hmm. the lifestyle and in terms of you know just being away from home for so long. Like the most before that, that I had been away from home was like when I would spend the summers at my grandma in, in Michigan. Yeah. Right. And that's still home. Yeah. So this was the first time, like I was like separating from, from my family for, for an extended period of time. So, you know, I needed that time in the Arabic program, not just to learn Arabic and benefit, but just to get used to, to being there. You know, even my dad, he told me, uh, he said, it's going to take you like two years to get used to being there, like to just get used to this new lifestyle. And he was right, man. It took me like exactly two years. Yeah. So I really needed to to have something to kind of like ease me in. Mm -hmm. Alhamdulillah, that's what, that's what I got. Because some people, man, like some of the guys that we know, like they ended up going straight into the college and, it, mm -hmm. and it's like overwhelming. It's overwhelming. It's like, cause it's, it's not, the curriculum is not a joke, right? Yeah. It's a lot. 
Uh, and so to jump straight into that, like some people for sure are qualified to do that, but I mean, I definitely wasn't. So, so I needed that from from so many different uh, angles and perspectives. Yeah. So I want to backtrack a little bit. February fourteenth. Yeah, man. The day that you depart. Yeah, it was it was rough, man. How was that? It was rough. It was rough because that was like, that was, it was a tough time for me, man. Because I, I'm telling you, I, I'm spoiled. Mm-hmm. I was spoiled. Not spoiled. No, I hope not. <laughs> all all of us are spoiled to live here anyway. Sure. But that's another thing, but. I, I was spoiled, man. Like I, I didn't, I didn't realize how much like I was gonna miss my family, you know. Mm. So actually, m- my father he would uh, travel a lot for work. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, you know, for as far as I can remember, he was he was working out of state, uh, and he did that so that we wouldn't have to move, you know. Mm. So like instead of moving the family. Um, like indianapolis he worked in indianapolis for a long time Mm -hmm. he would make uh he would you know take the three hour drive every week he'd leave monday morning he would make it's a three hour drive it's not fun drive i've I've made it Mm -hmm. uh with him before because it's just like cornfields and it's just it's boring there's a 65 the whole way 65 south yeah you know it. Yeah. yeah 65 south so there's nothing special about that drive so he would do that and then he would come back Friday night. Wow. And he would do that for for years, and I didn't appreciate it because again, I'm just a spoiled brat. Like I thought that's oh, he's just doing what he has to do. But you look back at it, and you're like, man, like that was that was sacrifice to be able to keep us like going to Islamic school, to be able to keep us like stable and stuff. Uh, and so he was actually at that time he was traveling and he was working, I think, in the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And so he actually flew with me because. Uh, back then they would give you a ticket to go home and to come there. So they gave me a ticket to come, but Mm -hmm. you'd have to fly on Saudi airlines and Saudi airlines only flies back then only out of DC and New York Mm. straight to Saudi. They have a flight directly from, uh, DC to Jeddah, Mm -hmm. New York to Jeddah, New York to Riyadh, that kind of stuff. So I had to fly to DC. So he actually flew with me to DC. Uh, to basically like you know make sure that I was good and and uh, alhamdulillah so I, I, I that's something that you know looking back and I appreciate a lot more for sure and then actually uh, that same flight there was uh, another brother Sheikh Jamil I don't know if you know him Jamil Basara he's in California hmm. so he ended up he was another of the Americans who got accepted so me and him were like two of the last Americans who went. Mm-hmm. Most of the other ones, they went like a, about 15 of us got accepted that year. They had left like a month before mm-hmm. so they were already there. So me and him ended up, you know, I didn't have any communication with him, but I, I recognized him and some of like uh, some of the people that I was asking for advice before, you know, I reached mm-hmm. out to people who had went to there. They mentioned like a few names, like be around these people and stuff. And he was one of the names. So I looked him up, you know, like a stalker. <laughs> I'm like, I know that guy. So I saw him there waiting also in D.C. And so I introduced myself and Mashallah. that became, he became my roommate. Oh, no for, way. For about three years. Yeah. Mashallah. Until he abandoned me. <laughs> then he got married. He brought his wife. And so he, he left living on, on campus. Uh, but yeah, so that was February 14th. And I'll tell you this, and it's embarrassing, but I cried like a baby on that flight. Like from from DC to to Jeddah it was, 
Not because the Jeddah airport sucks, because it does. It's one of the worst <laughs> airports in the world. Jeddah fix your airport, man. They're fixing it. They're getting a new one, but it's horrible. It smells bad. If anyone who's been there knows, and it was ringed like second worst airport in the world. You know oh, that, wow. right? I'm not gonna I say didn't first. Know that. Yeah, I'm not gonna say first because you might get upset with me. I don't care. I'm American. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just messing with you, but it's Karachi. <laughs> um, it's all good. I'm from India. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, man. Like I just remember, like that flight was rough. Like I was just crying like a baby because I just like I realized, like, dude, I miss my family. I don't even tell. I didn't even tell my parents that, man. Um, I didn't tell them. So if they're if they're watching this, I'm just joking. I didn't cry. <laughs> if my mom's watching, I mean, but. Yeah, so that was that was February fourteenth, man. That was Dang. February fourteenth. Yeah, because I always wondered someone who's leaving family behind, leaving siblings, parents, whatever it is, and you mentioned that you haven't traveled or you haven't been away from family yeah. for extended yeah, periods yeah. of times. Has to be difficult. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah. It's tough. So then, okay, February. I'm assuming fifteenth. Fifteenth. You, you land in Jeddah. In Jeddah. <laughs> How was that? It was surreal. Like I still remember it like very vividly. Like it just imprinted in me because. I remember getting there to Jeddah and just trying to figure out like where to go, what to do. We had a flight also then from Jeddah to Medina, I think oh, no, later that sure. day. Um, so me and, and, and Sheikh Jamil, we kind of just stuck together. Sure. Uh, then we got to Medina, I think that night, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, around Maghrib time. I remember sure. around Maghrib time. And one of the Americans came and picked us up, Sheikh mm -hmm. Yahya Lababidi. I don't know if he even remembers that, but he came and picked us up. And this was, again, like I was saying, like they, they made it really like they facilitated it for us because they made it, you know, like usually someone who gets there by themselves. Now I think the university itself helps with that. I think mm -hmm. maybe I'm giving them too much credit, but now they're a lot more like organized and stuff. I know I'm, I'm bashing on, on Saudi a lot, but. The university is amazing. Mashallah, There's not, Mashallah. and Medina is Medina. Everyone knows, right? I just like giving people a hard time. But <laughs> uh, so they they facilitated that for us, man. The mm -hmm. Americans, like the uh, Sheikh Ahmed Al Kurdi. I don't know if you know him either, but these are like these are people maybe that kind of fly low on the radar, like mm -hmm. publicly. But uh, they they do a lot of good, man. And, Mashallah, and they did man. a lot of good for us, and you can't ever forget that. So. He came in, Sheikh uh, Yahya. So we were, we were coming in, in in the winter break time. Mm -hmm. So there were some students who were traveling. There's some who weren't there. Uh, so he came and picked us up. You know, uh, I still remember we stopped. That's how I know it was Maghrib time because we stopped, prayed Maghrib and a masjid on, on the on the way. Mm -hmm. uh, and then he kind of he dropped us off at the university. And then there at the university, there was a couple of other. American students who are waiting for us to mm. kind of take us to uh, actually they took us to a room usually you go through like the paperwork process and they put you in like a temporary just like big room mm -hmm. like with other people who are there until you get a room because you have to get registered to get a room on campus in the dorms so even before that um, even before that they, they took us to uh, just a regular dorm room that two of the students who were traveling, they weren't there. So they let us stay in their room. Mm. Right. And so we kind of got like the home treatment right away. Awesome. And then that same brother took us to Domino's. 
There's a Domino's. That's <laughs> a trust me. <laughs> it's a trust me, bro. Especially on Wednesdays, they used to have this like deal: one pizza, uh, buy one get one free, bro. We used to be on that all the time, bro. <laughs> that that was oh man, that was good stuff. Uh, so he took us. You know, we had Domino's. Him and another two brothers, and they just tried to make us feel at home. And so that was something that that really helped because the thing with um, like Medina and in general, like overseas, is that when a person comes and they don't have any like familiarity or any connection to home, it be, they get like really not just homesick, but it becomes really difficult to just deal with what you're dealing with, right? Mm -hmm. Just the difference in how people are, the difference in how things run, yeah. right? Um and so there was a lot of students before that, you know, they just, they, they didn't last. They just um, like, it just didn't, things, it was too difficult. They were trying to bring their family. They weren't unable to bring their family. It's just the lifestyle and stuff. And, and, and so you had a lot of people who would come and then who just like this, it, it just doesn't work for me. So what this, when this group kind of formed and with just with the intention of like helping other students out americans right because mm -hmm. they're american other nationalities have their people that really helped like their retention rate as well Mashallah. right so a lot more students were able to stick around a lot more students were able to just you know be there to do what they came to do just yeah. to study and so you saw like like the amount of graduating students graduating americans is not that many now mm -hmm. there's a lot more Mashallah. right but i i mean there's no doubt that that has to do with uh, the efforts of, of those brothers and stuff, you know? So when did the... So let me ask you one question. You mentioned that when you were taking the interview, yeah, right, the individual who was taking your interview asked you which uh, college you, to go into, yeah, you yeah. wanted to go into. You said Sharia. Yeah. Why Sharia? So Sharia, why it's like... Um, basically, as American students going to study there, you you have to keep the goal in mind, which is that you're going to be going back to America mm. and you're going to be involved in some way, shape or form with the society, with the da'wah scene, however mm -hmm. that's going to look like, right? And, and for different people, it, it's, it looks like completely different things, right? Uh, so the advice of a lot of the people who had already studied and who were studying, right, and, and our elders, and this is really, really like the benefit of having that mentorship and having people who can advise you and your benefit, is that they said, look, like the other colleges are good. There's no doubt about them. Mm -hmm. But the, the two colleges that are going to be most applicable to you going back to America are going to be Sharia because it's very comprehensive, mm. right? And it's dealing with fiqh, it's dealing with like, you know, how to engage in a society and, and, and worship and, and building communities, these kind of things. And then the college of uh, usul al-deen and da'wah, mm -hmm. because the, the focus of that college is more on uh, theology. It's more mm. on da'wah, how to do da'wah, that kind sure. of stuff. So the majority of American students are going to be in one of those two. Mm -hmm. Then you have some who will go. So the other three are hadith, which is a lot more specialized, mm -hmm. right? And not that there's no benefit. There's, there's tremendous benefit in it. But it's like if you're coming to specialize in hadith, then you'll go there, mm -hmm. right? And that's not something maybe that's as needed on a, like a, a mass scale in America. And the College of Arabic 
And the idea there is like, well, you know, Arabic is something, inshallah, that you're going to be, it's important. It's the foundation. And so some students, very, very few Western students will do Arabic, mm. but that's like they want that. That's what they want their specialty to be. Uh, and then the College of Quran. And the College of Quran is a special place, right? But <laughs> it's also considered to be one of the hardest, if not the hardest, because there's like a condition that you have to be a half of just to get in. Yeah. And they test you from the beginning. Mashallah. Right? So like when I had gotten there, there was no Americans who had ever graduated from the College of Quran. Oh, no way. No. No. Wow. Then the next year, one American entered into the College of Quran, Sheikh Muhammad Mana. Mashallah. He's in California also. I have an affinity for all these Californians. Nice, my, Sheikh Muhammad Mana is a very special person to me also because he's, he would not like hearing me say it. He's Algerian, <laughs> he's <not laughs> me, but that's not why. He's just, mashallah, he's, he's, a, he's a gem. Um, and he, he went to the College of Quran and he's the first American to graduate from the College of Quran. Since him, I think there's one other brother. Sheikh Junaid? Junaid. Yeah, you know, yeah, I saw him on YouTube. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, mashallah. yeah, he's, yeah. he's in New York. He's in Queens. He's in New York. Yeah, yeah. He's, he, I think, the second. Yeah, American. he's at JMC. Okay, so, so I, you know that area. Yeah, or, yeah. So I definitely need to reach out to him. As yeah, well, yeah. Mashallah. He's he's legit. I think even he has like, he puts up videos and stuff yeah, about yeah. like how it was in Medina and stuff like that. So, yeah. So he was the second, but he came like so he came to to Medina like as I was finishing. So uh, we interacted. Like I played football with him before. <laughs> we used to play football sometimes on the weekends. Yeah, uh, and so he he was cool. He was cool. So I think he's the second. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that that college is like, it's not that it's not practical or applicable or whatever. It's just like it's it's a it's a higher level. Mashallah. Right. Yeah. And 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 it's known like the 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 students in the College of Quran. They're they're special students. And yeah. You know, it's a very considered to be a very blessed place and stuff because it's all like all hafad, all people of the Quran. So it's good vibes. That's why I wasn't part of it. <laughs> yeah, so so those are the five. Those are the five. And that's why I specifically chose Sharia. That's really interesting. Yeah, So yeah. can you walk me through your first day of classes? In the Arabic program? Yeah, in the Arabic program. Just day one. Because you, you said you flew February 14th. Yeah. You land on the 15th. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're missing family. You're missing home. You got a couple students who yeah. are kind of guiding you throughout the process. How's that? You know, like you think about like, oh, your first day of college. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So in that same... So it's a little different because you're not... We weren't able to go... Like we got there in the break time. Mm -hmm. And then like we were going through the paperwork process of getting registered. So you have to go and get like a blood test and you have to go and, you know, uh, go through this registration process to get your room. Because mm -hmm. like, I lived in the dorms on campus, right? So you have... that. That's a process that took some time as well. And then once you kind of register from that side, like you registered as a student in Medina, mm -hmm. then you go through the actual academic registration, Got right? It. Like that's when, you know, I had the interview where they told me, all right, you can go to the, the, yeah, the, yeah. the, the, <laughs> the Arabic program. Yeah. They call it the Ma'had. The Ma'had just means like the, the institute, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then in there, that's when I, I like one of the days you know, you have to figure out a time that you can go when they're going to be there and stuff like that. And I got tested to go into the second level. Mm -hmm. And then you wait uh, until they register you and put you in a class. And so then I got put into a class. And I don't think I really missed any date. I think I was actually there from the beginning. How long was this process between registering? The whole registration process, probably a week or two. 
Okay. Because okay. not everything happens every single day. So yeah. like the, the like for example, um, when you get your blood test, it's only at a certain time, right? And they only take a certain amount of students. Mm. The good thing was that when we came, me and Jamil, me and Chef Jamil, like we came at the tail end of a lot of new students coming. So our process was smooth as well. It was pretty nice. smooth. Uh, so it wasn't, it didn't take long, that long at all, but just kind of like going each step by step process probably took like a week, week and a half. I don't remember exactly, to be mm -hmm. honest, but yeah, then we jumped in, uh, to the Arabic program and we got our books, you know, like a, <laughs> like I felt like a child <laughs> <laughs> because the Arabic program, like it's legit. Right. But, but they also, it's like you're back in high school in a way, mm -hmm. right? Like you stay in the same class, you're assigned a class, you have a number, mm -hmm. right? And they put your, they put your, uh, the class roster on the door. So you yeah. find your name and like, I'm in this class. You have a seat number, oh, wow. right? So like your number, like I think, I don't remember what number I was, like 18 or something. So you have to sit in seat 18. Why? Because they do attendance, mm. okay? And the way that they do attendance is interesting. It's not like the teacher sends, takes attendance. But in the first five minutes of class, there's someone who comes in, right? And he, based off of the seating chart, he marks whether you're absent or present. Why? Because absences there are not like, like you have to be in class. It's not tolerated. Yeah, it's like you have to be there. Mm -hmm. And if you have more than a certain amount of absences, there's something called hirman. Hirman means that you fail the class. Yeah, yeah. So like you That's have to be stuff, like you have to be in class. You have to be in class on time. Um and it's like you're back in high school. Yeah. Uh but it was cool, man. I, I still remember like it was good times. Like the teachers, uh, I remember had really good teachers, uh funny, uh that you could tell that they cared for the students, like oh. they wanted to do a, a good job. Uh and it's a very international, you know, classroom. So I had, you know, uh friends in class that i met from all over man like there's still a brother from nigeria that i still have him on snapchat and like message me and stuff uh russia china everywhere i mean it's truly truly international especially in the arabic program because it's like there's no saudis there obviously mm -hmm. there's no people from like arab countries there's arabs but no people from arab countries mm -hmm. so it's, you see like just a very wide range of, of people and, and of different backgrounds uh, all across the board, man, all across the board. And you see people who are like, this guy just converted three weeks ago Allah. and he came to Medina, right? So he's brand spanking new. And then you have this guy who is from like Albania, but he went and studied in Egypt for two years so this guy's at the head of the class and he's you know making everyone else like dude why are you even here man it's like why are you even here go to the college you know so you had like you had this just wide spectrum of of, of people and, and and of backgrounds and it's it's a unique experience for sure Mashallah. unique experience. so before prior to going there did you know anybody else who was already there at the school not personally okay not personally but just through people who are here back home mm -hmm. who told me like, hey, connect with this person, right? Or, hey, you know, look out, this is someone good to, to, to meet, to hang out with. And then of course, like that whole kind of uh, group of the, the Americans uh, who were, you know, helping people out. I, I was able to, you know, connect with them. 
And they used to do other things too for the students. Like uh, they would organize like tours and stuff. And they used to have a weekly class uh, specifically for like the Americans and the Western students with one of the, the scholars uh, of Saudi. And so they would like make sure that, you know, uh, you know, the Sheikh Ahmed al-Kurdi who was kind of like the head of, he was called the Mandub, like he's the represent, American representative, right? Oh, okay, cool. Uh, so he would handle our tickets, like when we went back home and stuff, he would give them to us. And, you know, they would like make sure like, you know, sometimes like we would go out to eat together. And so it, it, it was, it was nice from that perspective. Oh, and there was also, I forgot, I can't, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mo, if you're watching this, bro. Muhammad Khan. Okay, that's what I was trying to get. I was yeah. wondering if you if yeah, you went there before him or I'm not. Sorry. Muhammad Khan, he moved to Charlotte. I'm sorry, bro. <laughs> yeah, he's gone. But yeah, inshallah, <laughs> he, he comes back to Chicago. If there's head. But yeah, yeah, he was there. He was there. He, he had started a year before me. Okay. So he actually, he even helped me like when he came back in the summer and he knew that I got accepted. Yeah. Like I was able to ask him questions and stuff, you know. Uh, so yeah, so he was there. Okay. He was there for about a year before. But mashallah, he was a really good student. He's busy. You know, so he was busy. Mashallah. He was kind of, and he was, and he's Guyanese too. Mm -hmm. So like when you get there, the interesting thing is like you're American, right? Yeah. But if you have a different background as well, you kind of get pulled in and, and, and get to connect with, you know, what your background is. So like he's Guyanese. Yeah. So there's a lot of other Guyanese students who are there mm -hmm. who he could like, you know, who I think he even knew that some of them from from because he used to live in Guyana. So I think he knew some. One of them was like his cousin. Oh no way! Uh, yeah, me. yeah, and one of them was a, a great barber who oh, was there as that's well. Dope. He, bro, he used to. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, always need a barber in school. Man. Always, always, bro. This guy was mashallah amazing. Um, I told him you got to come to American open up a barber shop because he was. He's killer, man. <laughs> he was really good, and then so for me even too like. I was Algerian. Mm -hmm. I'm a, I am I am Algerian and and half so I'm a half Algerian, half Lebanese, right? Mm -hmm. So when I got there, there was like a moratorium put on Algerian students getting accepted from Algeria. Mm -hmm. So it had been a couple of years since any new Algerian had come from Algeria, for whatever reason. I don't even yeah. know political or whatever it was. But in Medina itself, there's a lot of Algerians who uh, were studying there. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot who actually moved there and like who were living there. Mm -hmm. So they had like, and they were known to be like, they're good students, they're dedicated, stuff like that. So when I got accepted, there was another American student who got accepted with me from New Jersey, who's also Algerian. So he got there a little bit before me. And when he got introduced somehow to some of the Algerians who are there, mm -hmm. then when I met him, and I told him, hey, I'm Algerian too. Like we kind of like connected on that, on that point. He told those Algerians. So then they came and they're like, hey, we heard you're Algerian. We don't have any other Algerians who got accepted. So, so they, they like scooped me up and, and they showed me some love. I, I didn't feel like fully like part of them because I'm a half Lebanese. So even my Arabic was like very like, they're like, are you sure you're Algerian? Because my Arabic's very like shammy, very <laughs> Lebanese, whatever. Uh, but they showed me a lot of love, man. Like they would they took me to them with them to even like i remember i went with a wedding uh, to a wedding with them mashallah yeah and 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 just like they would take me out to eat and they would you know just give me advice and just it was, so it was nice i got to connect with like that part of my heritage also so that's another thing that you can kind of get over there um it's just this this connection to like you know different parts of the world in that mashallah. way mashallah. yeah but
I don't know how we got here, but Mohan, yeah, Mohan, <laughs> Mohan, <laughs> Mohan man. Yeah. No, because and so you mentioned something, um, and kind of everyone who studied in Medina says it, and I kind of I, I know what you guys are trying to get at, but I want to get it from your perspective. Yeah. Anytime someone asks you how is Medina, say like, man, Medina is Medina. Yeah, man. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah. So, man, like anyone who's been to Medina knows that it's a special place. Um, and it's it's just it's just it's hard to describe, but anyone who's gone there knows exactly what I'm talking about. Kind of when you say like, there's just a vibe to the city that is very unique. It's just a place of calmness, a place of serenity. It just feels like a very just welcoming, like you're at home kind of a place. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be honest, like for me, it. It took like Medina. I had gone for Umrah and stuff before, so you feel that living there, there was kind of like the competing ideas of getting used to being there mm-hmm. and and having that. But at the same time, still it's Medina, and in particular when you're around the Masjid, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Masjid Nabawi, it's just very very unique, and that that feeling of just this serenity and this just calmness is is something that you know. Is is really what makes it, uh, you know, it's just it's a special place to be, and I think you know a lot of our you know teachers and and elders they say yeah, this is from the the baraka of the dua of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam right when when the Sahaba initially came to Medina and it was difficult for them because of the change in climate because of the homesickness and the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam made dua for the city of Medina you know, mm-hmm. oh Allah make it beloved to us like Mecca and even more so. And and so they say that's like the secret of the city, you know, is that mm-hmm. the dua of the Prophet ﷺ that made it a place that the hearts of people just find that peace and serenity. And so, you know, even my father, I, he when he would come for Umrah, he would come when, when we were there. And he used to love to come even before, but uh, when I was there, he would come by himself, sometimes with my brother. Mm-hmm. And he just he just loved being in Medina. So even he would come and he would spend, like he would be there for a week and he would just want to be in Medina. He's like, yeah, we'll, come, we'll go for Umrah. We go and make Umrah, spend a night and come right back. Uh, and, and and so he would start his trip in Medina and end his trip in Medina. It was just, that's just, you know, and you just, you know, you, you just feel that uh, and it gets renewed when people come for Umrah and you start, maybe start to forget about it. Like, Oh, you get mm-hmm. used to it. Cause it's home. Right. It's yeah. But anytime someone new comes, you just realize again, it's like, dude, it's like, it's like, yeah. I mean, this is, it's like a, it being in a dream and, and especially Masjid Nabawi. Uh, one of my friends, he used to say this and it's true. He's like, every time you go, it's like the first time you're there. It's like, it never, it yeah. never wears off just like the masjid, like the, the novelty of it and stuff. So that's what, that's what it is. Right. And, and I always say like, <clears throat> like I, I wasn't a, a great student. I admit that, you know, and, and I was, it took me a while to get used to, to being there. But I always say like, if it wasn't Medina, I wouldn't have lasted there. Like if it was, if I went anywhere else, mm-hmm. I would have probably left and come home. But Alhamdulillah, like the Barakah of, of, of Medina and Mecca yeah. being close by as well. That's mm-hmm. another part of it for sure. Like you can get in a taxi and drive three and a half hours and, and, and make Umrah. That's something that is... You know, you can't have you can't find anywhere else, right? Yeah. Um, 
but just living in Medina and having that, like if it wasn't for uh, Allah, of course, number one, and then Masjid Nabawi and, and Medina, no way I would have lasted. Just me keeping it real. Unless <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it, man. Yeah. Um, so one thing I was reading about, uh, it said that you got accepted to a scholarship program in yeah. Medina University. Yeah. Can you tell us about what a scholarship program is? Yeah, so the thing is with Medina in particular, because it's meant to be an international university, anyone who gets accepted to the university from outside mm -hmm. automatically basically qualifies for the scholarship. So it's a free, it's, it's, it's free in it's terms a full of, ride. it's a full ride. Okay. It's a full ride. So just getting accepted means you automatically get the full ride. Amazing. And at the same time, you get also room and board. Yeah. meaning like if you want to live on campus, mm -hmm. you can live on campus and they, and that's free as well. And then on top of that as well, they give a small stipend every month. Oh, nice. Mashallah. And that can cover your food unless you're like me and you were going out to eat. It wasn't <laughs> enough, right? And it covers, you know, your books and stuff like that. Uh, so it's it, it is a, it's a full scholarship. And anyways, Mashallah. if you're a Saudi and you're going there, mm -hmm. like this is the case in most places in the world, like colleges are free for the citizens anyway. So mm -hmm. it's generally, it's basically, the idea is that it's, it's pretty much free. Mm -hmm. However, now it's changing. And it's no longer going to be the case oh, no for way. some people, I think. And like graduate school and stuff, mm -hmm. that they're actually starting to, they're going to start to charge. So that's pretty interesting. Changing, yeah. Yeah, mashallah. So you're spending your first, so we're still on your first year, man. There's so much, I have so many questions. <laughs> um, so you're there your first year. Well, and with, people aren't going to listen to this whole thing. I mean, like, no, a lot. I mean, no one's going to listen to like, me. They're going to fast forward. All. I was like, all right, just give me the summarized version. TLDR. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, mashallah. Um, so you're there your first year at Medina. You're you're going through the ma'ahad. Just pure, just Arabic at this point. Yeah, it's Arabic, but it's it's Arabic in a way that's also teaching you like basics of Islamic studies. Okay. Right, so it's like different subjects, mm -hmm. and then as like you you kind of progress, like in the third mustawa and the third level, fourth level, some of those subjects are like reading, for example, is being taught, like and being developed through also like learning fiqh, Mashallah. and learning hadith, mm -hmm. right, and learning some you know tafsir or some sirah. So there is a basic level of Islamic studies also mm -hmm. that's happening, but. The goal of it is is learning Arabic, okay, and and gaining proficiency in Arabic, okay. Yeah. How long was your program in total? It's a six year program. Okay, mashallah. It's two years Arabic program and then four year bachelor's. Okay. Have you ever gone to Hajj prior to going being accepted? No. No. Tell me about your first Hajj. Oh man, it's a whole other story. So, um, so so Hajj the first year we were there. Actually, it was it was gonna it was the beginning of the second year because we finished that semester in the summer. Mm -hmm. I got there February, finished the semester in the summer, came back home for the summer, uh, then went back, and then then it was Hajj. Okay. So Hajj was like later in I think October around oh, that man, time. People are gonna know how old you are. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe October. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no. So so yeah. So that was the first year. So basically. Uh, we made hedge through the university. Mashallah. Okay. In the Arabic program, they had like a raffle kind of thing uh -huh. where you signed up. If you've never made hedge before, you could sign up and they would pick a certain amount of students to make hedge. 
Well, I didn't realize. I thought so. I got chosen. To, I got chosen. Alhamdulillah to make Hajj that year, but I realized it wasn't like random. Uh, same thing. My involvement, Alhamdulillah, with uh, that American group. You know, mm. the the our elders and our mentors. They had connections with the university as well to ensure. I don't know if I'm like releasing any secrets here, but to ensure that. Like those who were they knew and they could vouch for and that were involved with them would get, you know, chosen as well to make Hajj. So alhamdulillah, like in the moment I thought it was like, oh, I just never made Hajj before, so I'm pretty much guaranteed to go. But it wasn't like that at all. Mm. Uh because uh, not everyone was chosen. So me and 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 Sheikh Jamil, uh, my roommate, we were chosen to go. And so we went on uh on on a university basically um sponsored hajj trip okay. so it was like a saudi group uh with a bunch of other students in the from the from the ma'had um and and it was beautiful alhamdulillah it was beautiful so we got access to like you know our teachers and then they had you know visiting scholars and stuff okay. like that and they took care of us uh from an accommodations perspective as well so it was overall it was just it was a beautiful experience um and you know nothing obviously like the 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 first Hajj, alhamdulillah. So it, it was it was unique. It was definitely unique, and it was one of those things. Like Hajj is one of those things that if you've never been, you don't really know a lot about it. Like what actually happens there yeah. and stuff, you know. So I was going in like I, I don't I've been to Umrah before, but what's mm. Hajj going to be like? And so, alhamdulillah, I also was able to attend like you know classes there with some of our teachers before sure. we went to learn to make sure we know what we're doing uh and then yeah and so we went with them and we we came back <laughs> i actually got left behind oh no way <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> me and and <laughs> and uh it was me and two of the guys chef jamil and one of the other guys basically <laughs> the in the in the they they we came from Azizia, which is like a suburb in Mecca, or from Mina, I don't remember, to uh to Mecca by bus. Mm -hmm. And they're like, Look, you guys go make tawaf al wada, mm -hmm. okay? The final farewell tawaf, and you come back to the bus. All right. Don't be too long. We're gonna leave around this time. So like, ah, all right, all right. So so we ended up dragging it was I, I i it was my fault like i was dragging for certain reasons anyways it's not important but mm -hmm. i i ended up taking a lot longer to get it done than what i thought and then we went and got ice cream after <laughs> uh, and then we get back and the bus was gone oh man. they left because <laughs> the guy who was in charge amazing guy amazing guy his name was abu ali Super compassionate, super caring for the students, but he doesn't mess around neither, right? Time like, is time, like, man. dude, we gotta go, we gotta go. So, we got left behind, bro. <laughs> and so we found like one of these like, just like bufu random buses of just like, whoever it was, like yeah, you know, like they have this. I mean, you've been right, yeah, yeah. It's like the coaster van. It, it was an actual bus, but okay. they were just there was like a guy hanging out the windows, like Medina, Medina, Medina. <laughs> 50 riyad, 50 riyad, which is like, all right, it's not bad. All right, let's go. <laughs> and so we just jumped in with them and, and we got back to Medina. <laughs> but um, it was cool, you know, like that, that I always remember that trip because, you know, just the uniqueness of 
like that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Like I remember that night, like before we left, when we were making tawaf, it was Isha time. We prayed Isha in Masjid al-Haram, right? Mm-hmm. In Mecca, in the, at the Kaaba. Then we, we you know, after all the shenanigans, ice cream and stuff later, we <laughs> ended up getting to Medina at Fajr time. So we prayed Salat al-Fajr in Masjid al-Nabawi, right? And then we went to meet the guy who left us behind. <laughs> He's like, come here, I'll take you off for breakfast. Like yeah. he, one of the other guys, he kind of felt bad. So then we went and, and uh, after Fajr, we went to Masjid Quba. And so we prayed Salat al-Duha, like, uh, you know, in, in Masjid Quba. So it was just like, like that just stuck with me because it was Trifecta, like, dude, baby. yeah. It's like, you go, the only thing I was missing was Aqsa. <laughs> right? But I got to pray Isha and, and, and at the Kaaba. I got Isha. to pray Fajr and, and Masjid and Nabawi. And I got to pray Duha 10 minutes after, like 15 minutes uh, away in, in Quba. So it's very, like, it's a unique, unique experience, you know, that again, it's one of those things like, man, you, you appreciate more once you're gone and once you realize like what you had, but that's life, you know? Yo, that's wild, man. Um, so you're coming back and forth for your breaks. This is during yeah. Ramadan? Uh, no. It, well, yes, it was during Ramadan. It was okay. in the summers. Okay. Yeah. So we would come back, we would come back in the summers. So did you ever opt in to stay during Ramadan? I didn't. Uh, it just, it came at a time like Ramadan was like dead in the middle of the, of the summer break. And it was just in a way that you could only leave and come back once. And it's during that time. And it's during that time. Uh, Meaning gotcha. like if I were to say, for example, let me go back home mm-hmm. and then come back for Ramadan and then try to go back home. Like you can't do that. Yeah. So for me, it was like, dude, like this, this, the summer is the only time that I have, you know, with my family and stuff like that. So uh, let me just, let me just stay. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't want to say I regret that. But I kind of regret it <laughs> because I, I never got to experience like a, a Ramadan there. And I still mm-hmm. have it until now, you know. And so that's kind of like one of those things that's just like I me mean, looking back at it. Like I, I wish that I kind of just like stay. But alhamdulillah, you know, Mashallah. you know, I don't ever. Actually, that's one thing. Like I never look back at anything that happened and say like I regret or I should have. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's all like part of the process. It's all part of the journey, right? So you learn from it. But but you you know you realize it's all there for for a reason as well. So about a year and a half into your studies, you go into the kulliya. Yeah. Okay. How was that? Like, what type of differences did you see? Obviously, you're studying more texts and more books. Yeah, yeah. But where are the differences from the mahad? Oh, I loved it, man. Like I loved like I loved the mahad. I always say this. Like I loved the mahad. I loved my time there. I wouldn't trade it for anything. If I had to do it again, I would go to the mahad again. But like being able to go to the kulia was just like, like, yes, this was all, it was awesome because like, I felt like finally, like, this is why I came here, you know, mm-hmm. like the Arabic is like a means to something. And by that time, year and a half in, I'm pretty comfortable. Like things are good. Alhamdulillah. And so I just, I love the kulia. I just, I absolutely, until now, like I, I have nothing bad to say about my, about the kulia. It's just. Beautiful, beautiful experience uh, for the most part. Amazing teachers. It was a big jump because now it's the goal is no longer Arabic. I mean, you go to the kulia, the assumption is you better speak Arabic because yeah. no one's going to be there like, wait, you didn't understand what I meant there? <laughs> no, it's just straight. And and I love that. I love that. So, you know, you're studying fiqh, usul al-fiqh, aqidah, um, you know, mustalah al-hadith, tafsir, 
just, you know, everything that you had wanted to come and study, you're studying there. And, and it was just uh, amazing. What was your favorite subject to study and why? Usul uh, al-fiqh. Until now, it's my favorite. Until now? What changed? Partly, yani, partly because of my teachers who had usul al-fiqh. No, I'm saying until now, including now. Oh, including now. Including okay, okay. now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my, part of my teachers, like my favorite teacher until now, I still, alhamdulillah, like, we're, there's still a connection between me and him. Is uh, He was my usul teacher in my second semester in the kulliya. And uh, just the subject... Because it was it was a new subject for me to kind of learn in that way as mm -hmm. well, and I just loved it because, you know, it's not that's not like the the space to kind of obviously go into it in specifics, but it just really showed you like the beauty of like Islamic law and kind of what mm -hmm. how it comes together and 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 just how dynamic and how like logical and rational and and how everything just fits together so beautifully. Like there's a system. It's yeah. not just this hodgepodge, random, you know, just like, oh, yeah, I'm studying Islam. It means that you're just, you know, sitting in a desert somewhere reading a, a book, you know. Mm -hmm. No, it's like you're, you're, you're appreciating the foundations of this beautiful and this beautifully constructed legal system, specifically like fiqh law and stuff, and then how it was uh, – how it was not just built, but how it was serviced as well by the scholars throughout yani, uh, throughout Islam, and how it just becomes this just amazing, complex, dynamic, uh, perfect science. So uh, it just it, it just can like I just resonated. It just resonated with me. It just was my that was my that was my jam. Nice, <laughs> <was> my jam. <laughs> nice mashallah. That's pretty cool. Um, so let me ask you this what's, what's a day in the life of a student yeah. in the college itself? okay so in the college classes start at 7.30 a.m. Mm -hmm. okay so you have you can do breakfast before that obviously you have fajr right uh, you're on campus there's a masjid on campus there's the room whatever depending on what's going on that day right so um Generally, the, like, I have like two phases. I have like the before a car phase and I have the after car phase. It's very different phases of my studies. But uh, you're on campus, right? So you you wake up, you do your thing. Uh, you can get breakfast. I was never really a breakfast guy. So it's mostly straight to class for me. And you have classes uh, 7.30 till dhuhr. Hmm. So 7.30 to like 12.15, 12.30-ish. And it's five classes. Okay five classes uh and there's like a 20 minute break after the second class and then you have so you have those uh five classes generally it's going to be five days a week some days you may have uh, a class later in the afternoon but mostly it's in the morning time and some days you may have an open period but generally you're there 7 30 to 12 30 uh then you have dhuhr and then things like kind of shut down after dhuhr because it's so hot mm -hmm. and it's been after classes. So that's kind of generally like in the whole country in general, it's like the like the nap time. Yeah. Right? Uh, so that's like a very quiet time. Things are closed a lot of the time. And so either you have lunch and you take a nap, or you know, you're you 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 know, we would sometimes we see the guys go out for lunch, maybe, uh, depending on what's going on that day. 
And then between, so that's between Dhuhr and Asr, things kind of shut down. Then after Asr, things kind of pick back up again. And so at that point, it's like your own personal schedule, mm -hmm. right? So some, sometimes people will go to, at that point, they go to Masjid al-Nabawi, right? And they had buses and taxis from the university to Masjid al-Nabawi. It's like 10 minutes away, yeah. right? The buses were free, uh, but there's like a rush to the buses. So you generally take a taxi, two riyals, like 50 cents, and you go there. So that would be a time you can either go there. Some people would have Quran classes there after Asr. Some people will do their Quran class after Fajr. Uh, and then you have either your own personal studies, like what you had from class, mm -hmm. or the, the, one of the also the beneficial things about Medina in particular is that there's so much access to like other classes and other mm -hmm. learning opportunities, right? In the masjid, masjid al-Nabawi, outside the masjid. So sometimes you may have a class, for example, after Maghrib. Sometimes you can just go attend a regular halaqa in masjid al-Nabawi after Maghrib. Uh, and then after Isha, same thing. You might either have a class or it's just like uh, your free time. So, you know, our form of like socialization and having like just like relaxing was we would go out to eat. That was like a big thing for us, you know, American student. That's why my my monthly <laughs> stipend didn't last, bro. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you go out for dinner, just you know, see the guys, whatever, and and you know, that's pretty much that's pretty much the day. Nice, so. What opportunities did you have to study? So this, all those classes that are on the halaqas that are taking place in Muzanabawi, they're outside of the university, correct? Yeah. Outside, outside of the university curriculum. Yes, outside the university curriculum. Okay. So what other, were you able to, you know, learn and study other subjects? Yeah. While you yeah. were there? Same, sometimes it's the same subject, but it's just from a different, uh, like either like supplementary mm -hmm. or in addition as well. Okay, because the thing with the, the Medina University curriculum is that it's a very high level curriculum. Mm -hmm. Like it's actually meant to produce scholars. Mm -hmm. But that means that if you're coming there as a beginner, that you have a lot of catching up to do as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, like I'll give you an example. Like you study fiqh there uh, in the university from a comparative perspective. That's people think that, you know, people criticize Medina and they say, oh, they're teaching, you know, fiqh in a way that's like not that goes against the traditional method and stuff like that. They don't understand a lot of them. They don't understand the curriculum that the curriculum was placed there for people to come in who already have the background, mm. who already have studied before. And it's there to build them to, to, to build scholars. Right. So. That, that could be an issue, obviously, for someone coming in who's never studied before. And that's where you get the supplementary classes. So, mm. for example, like uh, when you're studying fiqh in a comparative way, also the advice that we got is try to study it or not try, but make sure that you're also studying, uh, supplementing that with studying a madhab, right? Mm. To be able to, to understand fiqh properly, to be able to you know, learn it in, in the traditional way uh, as well. Because uh, a lot of the students who came, not not all of them were beginners either, right? Mm -hmm. You have people who are coming from other countries who've studied already uh, an entire madhab, mm -hmm. right? Whether it's from North Africa and they've studied the Maliki madhab or they're coming from Pakistan and India and they studied the Hanafi madhab or Turkey and Hanafi madhab or 
Indonesia, uh, Ethiopia, studying the Shafi'i Madhab, Saudi heavy access or wide access to the Hanbali Madhab. So, the, and especially like the Saudi students, like their curriculum through school mm-hmm. is that they're studying a Madhab. They're studying the Hanbali Madhab, yeah. right? So they're coming in and they're, they're, they're able if they were good students, at least, they're able to, to understand what's being taught to them in this way. Mm. So for like someone who's coming, you know, like I studied Alhamdulillah Fiqh before I came, but I never studied it formally in a way that like I've, I've encompassed or I've, you know, mastered a madhab. So I needed to, I needed to study a madhab, mm-hmm. right? So I, I was doing that in addition as well. Right. And so that's that's what those extra classes are there for, to help supplement, to help fill in the gaps and just to help give you like, you know, additional knowledge that that, you know, maybe the university already assumes that you have or maybe you need to brush up on or whatever it may be. And that was a good thing about Medina, especially is that there was always like opportunities for that. It would have these like what they call daurats, like um, we're not translate it, not conferences, but like workshops seminars like in a week every day mm-hmm. you're studying this book and it's a fundamental book in grammar or you're studying this book and it's a fundamental book in theology and aqidah right or fiqh so there's always those opportunities to kind of build also your foundation as you're studying in the university Mashallah. what did you guys do on your free time like how did you guys? Spend? I mean, I know you guys ate out a lot. So. <laughs> we ate out. <laughs> uh, so I, I part of my like just to be very honest, like part of my like acclimation process was being able to also have like, you know, things that I could like, uh, I I could relax with, and I can just find I can find like a level of, you know, just normalcy of what I used to do and stuff. So we would play basketball we would play football we at one point we started getting into like have to get stay healthy it's a lot of eating so we signed up at this like really nice gym that we would go to uh so those were like the recreational things Mm -hmm. um and then in the and then like the free time related to like uh just other things like you start you try to stay connected with with family stay connected somewhat back home as well um, so actually when I first got there, like, there's no, like there was no, I didn't have internet access. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I, I took a Blackberry with me that I never was able to connect to the internet. <laughs> so it was like locked or something. And so the only access that I had to the internet was that internet cafe. Oh, no way. And sometimes we would go to the internet cafe like at night. This is just our way to kind of like connect back home and stuff. We would go and we would wait like an hour, hour and a half to get access to like a computer to use the mm-hmm. internet. So that, that was an, an interesting thing. Now, like the students who are there, like towards the end of my time, but even more so now, like you could get like an internet modem or a router and have it in your room. So you have access there. Like, so at the end I had that it was super slow, right? But... <laughs> You know, at least it gave me basic connection. So I was able to connect back home. I was able to connect to things that, you know, kind of made it, uh, like made my stay there, like where I could like, okay, I still have some sort of like connection to my, to, to who I was and stuff like that, you know? So, yeah. I mean, so in terms of, you're talking about internet connection. So you said you had a BlackBerry that you never got to work. How did that play in your benefit with your studies? It helped in that it made me, 
not so much my studies, but just my perspective of being there. It like it zoned me in. Um, the first semester, I'll be very honest, like it was just about survival for me. Mm -hmm. Like <laughs> I, I, I always mention this like as a, as a, like a way to kind of show like how spoiled I was. But I remember the first time even I went to the bathroom mm -hmm. and I'm like, I got to go home. Because oh, no. it was a hole in the ground. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, I can't do this, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it went from that to becoming like, it just shows like how the human being adapts, right? Because mm -hmm. it went from that to me promising and swearing that I'm going to have one of those holes in the ground in my home one day. <laughs> like in show, yeah, yeah, just because like, it's just a lot better. Yeah. It just, but that it took time to get used to that. So yeah. I remember going in and locking the bathroom. I'm like, dude, I, I'm not going to last here. I got to go home. Right. So that first semester for me was really like survival mode, like just being able to like get used to things enough to to stay mm. and to benefit. I mean, there was there was times where I thought I'm not going to be able to last here. You know, there was times I thought I'm going to go home and, and not come back. But alhamdulillah, I mean, uh, the benefits of, you know, good company and, and, and being able to you know, get that 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 motivation and that strength from the people around you, from your family back home. That's what allowed me to, you know, to continue on. So, I mean, I know it's different than your question, but the idea was like, it was just survival mode for me that first semester. Mm -hmm. And so having internet that didn't work, it, it, I, I wouldn't say it made me like a better student, mm. but it just made me like, just push that survival mode into like high gear for me. Like, so I, I got to just deal with it. Yeah. And it, and it helps build that resilience, you know? I look back at it now, I'm like, dude, I don't know how I did it, right? But alhamdulillah, like you were able to do it, yeah. right? Like, and that strength and that resilience, like it builds, whether you realize it or not, like more of a, like a sense of like purpose and more of a sense of strength and more like when things are maybe don't go your way, like... I went through that. I didn't have mm -hmm. internet. <laughs> but yeah, now, mashallah. You know? So, yeah. So, it was, it was so cool. You, you mentioned something right now, and it was one of the questions that I had in my mind. You know, reaching a point where you don't want to return. Yeah. Right? So, what kind, what, you know, obviously you've mentioned now that there were a few times where you were thinking about, you came back to the States and you don't know if you're going to go back. Mainly what? the first time. Just, okay. Mainly yeah, just yeah, the first mainly time. Yeah, mainly the first okay. time. Okay. After that, it was... Like, I'll be somewhere. honest. Like, I was counting down to when I could go back home. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, that, it, was, it was to that level. Because I was just like, it's, it's tough. It's rough. I just yeah. want to go home. Like, not that... It wasn't anything like there's wrong, something wrong. It was just like, I just miss my family. Yeah. Right? I just miss that, that lifestyle. I just, you know, I, I, I want to be able to. So, I, right when I was finished with my exams... I made sure that like I would have my ticket to to go back home. Uh, but you know, it's part of the growth process. It's part of the growth yeah. process because I saw the the change then it went from that to like me being there, you know, straight and having no issues with like I'm I'm good, you know, alhamdulillah. I I, I could actually like it got to a point where it was like I could see myself like living here, I could see myself staying here um for an extended period because it's just I'm good, alhamdulillah. But I needed that in the beginning, I think, you know, to to get me to that point. 
Um, but sorry, I, I don't know if you, I interrupted. No, your no, question. no. That's exactly like the line of yeah. thinking that I had yeah, as well yeah. that I wanted to know about. Okay, inter- so how many times are you guys able? You mentioned you're able to just hop into a taxi, three and a half hours, go for Umrah. Yeah. You know how how realistic is that as a student? Yeah, it's not. I mean, like, I, so so again, my experience was such that I I because I was in kind of like that survival mode in the beginning, I wasn't taking advantage of these things as much as I could have. Mm-hmm. Uh, even like, it, it sounds like unheard of, but I remember my first semester, like a week would go by without even me going to Masjid al-Nabawi, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, and and you know, it was just, I look back at it like, dude, what was I doing? But it was more just like, I'm just trying to survive here. I'm just trying to get through it. And yeah. And I realized after that, that was very counterproductive because it was when I went to Masjid al Nabawi that I found myself to be like, you know, mm. at peace and relieved and just like good. And so it be it, then it came, it got to a point where it's like, dude, if I don't go to Masjid al Nabawi every day, mm-hmm. there's a problem. Right. And and so with the with the Umrah, the the Umrah, the issue was that I was still in the beginning, especially kind of spoiled, where like I needed, if I was going to make Umrah, like I needed to be able to go and stay in a hotel. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't want, I didn't ever uh, in the beginning at least try to do like the the one day trip where you just go, you uh, make Umrah and then you come right back. Because mm-hmm. like, you know, just to the changing and all that stuff. So like w- they took us on some trips in the beginning we went in groups and stuff and we were able to go for Umrah with those groups and came back. So that was kind of what my Umrah experience was limited to in the beginning. But then when we got like later on, you know, when I had more flexibility, when mm-hmm. I was like more entrenched, one of the guys got a car, right? Nice. Then we were able to kind of like, you know, make that happen. Uh, still not as much as like people would think like, oh, I'm going to go every weekend. No, it wasn't like that. Yeah, you're studying. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Going out to eat. Uh. <laughs> but but it was it became something more, you know, uh that we had more of the ability to do, alhamdulillah. And so like over time, you know, obviously you get, you know, you, you start to get your like feet set more in a way that you're like you're living there as an actual resident and sure. not just as like this this visiting student, mm-hmm. you know. So it did get to a point where, even though I always lived on campus, but when I got a car or when I had friends who had cars there, that you have like a lot more freedom, a lot more access, just able to do things that you never were able to do before, stuff like that, you know? Mm, interesting, mashallah. Now, during your studies, um, how was it going into like the third, fourth year, knowing that, you know, this is kind of well, possibly, you know, the last few years that I'll be spending here? Yeah, yeah. So they had this thing. They would say, they would say, being here, you know, it's the kingdoms, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. So they mm-hmm. would call it the magical kingdom. Some of the Americans was like a joke because they said it's like the magical kingdom, because the days go by super slow, but the years go by super fast. Allah. Right, and that's and that's what happened. Like you would feel like the day is like so so slow. You know, yeah. you have that post dhuhr kind of like dip and and stuff but then you look back at how quick like the months and the years went and it was just like 
in no time. And they would tell us this too, but you, you don't listen when you're young. You're like, hey, bro, <laughs> trust me. They would say like, you're going to look back and it's going to be the end of your time and, and, and all that. So you don't start realizing that until like, it's it's like uh, not a, you know, they call it like the, a cruel a cruel trick of life or whatever. I don't like using that word, but it's like once you, I was so used to it and I'm like here and I'm good and I can spend a year, no problem. That's when it's like you starting to get ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was more just like, you know, let me take advantage of, of the time that I have left. And, you know, I was in the middle also of deciding to continue, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with the master's program and stuff or whether to go home. So that was kind of also keeping me like, oh, if I want to be able to stay, you know, I can I can hopefully get into a master's and do that. And if I want to go home or stay home, then I can do that as well. So just having that as like a safety net kind of made things a little bit easier from that perspective. Okay, interesting. Yeah. If you could point out one teacher or a group of teachers that had the biggest impact and influence on you, um, who would that be? And can you give us some background about them? So there's a few. There's a few. Um, definitely at the the like the most influential teacher that I had was my usul al-fiqh teacher, who I got to study with in the university and then outside of the university as well. His name is uh, Sheikh Abdullah ibn Mahdi al-Shanqiti. He was originally Shanqiti, like from Shanqit, uh-huh. uh, from Mauritania. But he, I mean, I think born, grew up in 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 Saudi. So he was, he was, um, I loved him because he was so, uh, not just dedicated, but like he took everything that he did in terms of teaching and in terms of development, like super seriously. Right. So like he, the, the first experience I had with him was in, in the college of Sharia. He taught me in the second level of Sharia and he goes so in depth and he didn't finish the like the the curriculum by the time of uh you know that classes were over but he insisted that he do extra classes on you know if someone was just say okay we finished the exams only going to be up to this point but he insisted that he finished it awesome. right and he did this multiple times um and he was known to be kind of like a strict teacher, like other students. And and I initially like you're scared of him, but then you realize it's like, no, because he takes this like, it's, it's passion, right? Inshallah. And not only that, but he didn't even live in Medina. He's, I think he was from Medina, but he was, he was living in Mecca. Allah. So he would do the weekly drive. And it's not easy, man. Like it's a four hour drive on a very not that safe stretch of highway yeah. like that stretch of highway bro Allah, i've seen i saw dead people on the side of the road like accidents and stuff people fly in and um so he would make that drive every week and then in addition to that he was teaching classes on the side and then i got introduced to some of those classes and i was able to study with him on the side right and then on top of that just like his demeanor like outside of class like just very uh, very laid back, very chill, very giving, you know, a lot of demands from students and class here and class there. And I never heard him say no. Uh, and, and yeah, so, so, and then just his humility as well. 
And he, this guy, mashallah, is like an encyclopedia in, in what he knows. But you never would get that, you know, impression from him. And and he would, uh, like even one time, and this is something I, I mention a lot, and when, even when I have classes and stuff, just his humility, like he actually once, he, mess, he texted me asking me about uh, like a question. Like, for, like he was asking me about Thanksgiving, I remember. Wow. Just like, hey, like... What is like, is Thanksgiving more of a religious holiday or a cultural holiday? Because he was trying to get background on it for himself, right? Because mm -hmm. to be able to answer a question like that or to just have your own knowledge, he he was humble enough to ask me, just random, like dumb student, right? To ask me like, because he knew that I lived in America. So I, in oh, that man. case, would have a better understanding of something that's from America, right? So just that, that like really like left an impact on me just to see his humbleness, his humility. Um, and yeah, and so I was able, alhamdulillah, to, to, to benefit a lot from him. And I still consider him like someone that, you know, I just actually, I just spoke with him maybe a week or two ago. Uh, and, and, and so he's, He's a very special, like someone had a, a lot of impact on me, but he's not, he's not the only one, but he's like at the top of the list, you know? Sure. And then there's others like who are just like, I didn't sit with them or benefit from them a lot, but with the times that I did were super, super like, it just, they just stick with me. Like, mm -hmm. uh, Sheikh Abdullah Amin Ashinqiti. His father is the, is the famous Mufassir. Muhammad Amin al-Shanqiti, he wrote a, a book in tafsir called Adwa'ul Bayan. Um, he's still alive, Sheikh uh, Abdullah Amin. And he would teach tafsir in the, in the Masjid of the Prophet Epitome to me of, of humility, epitome of easygoing, uh, just super, super chill, super, super knowledgeable, of course, regular person. Yeah, in terms of like, not, there's not like, a, a, like, he, even though he's deserving of the hype, he would never like accept the hype for himself or like build with that hype, you know? Like, you would very normally walk out, you have people surrounding him and asking him questions, and he doesn't have like security, anything like that. He just throws his bisht over his shoulder jumps into his car mm -hmm. and goes home. One time we were uh, in Mecca at ha around Hajj time. And I was, we were in the, in the Zamzam Tower Mall, mm -hmm. right, to get some food. And, and this was like uh, maybe like 12, 1 a.m. We were getting like burgers or something. I got a smash burger there. It's fire. Dude. <laughs> Anyways, we were there. I think I was at, at the grocery store there. And who do I see? I see him. He's in Ihram. I think it's the 8th of Dhul-Hijjah, right before Hajj. I think he came, he's by himself, Allah. just sitting there with a cup of tea. No, like no pretenses, nothing. Right? And no one, like, and I'm just like, dude, that's Sheikh Abdullah Amin. Like, that's, that's this guy's, without without exaggeration, one of the, the biggest mufassirin in the world, Allah. right? No fanfare, you know, mm -hmm. just doing his thing. Drinking tea, right? So just seeing like uh, stuff like that, you know, there's so much benefit like from just being around uh, scholars and from just seeing them and from 
you know, not just benefiting from their, their, their classes and their words, but just their, the way that they would conduct themselves, their manners, you know, the, the care that would, they would give and they would have for students is there's a lot, there's a lot of, uh, of stories of examples of that, you know? Yeah. Mashallah. Yeah. So you mentioned about a master's program. Yeah. So you got accepted into the master's program. I did. Yeah. Okay. So what, altered your decision to continue forth with your studies? So I got accepted to the master's program, alhamdulillah, in fiqh. Uh, and I actually, I started it uh, for a short period of time. But then I just made the decision uh, that, you know, it was time for me to come back home. Hmm. There were some personal issues uh, that I felt that I should go back home uh, and and try to for myself, you know, to and to try to kind of figure things out. Mm -hmm. And I and I left it with the open ended ability to come back. So you oh, can nice. yeah, so you can put it on like it was. I took like a leave of absence, kind of. Yeah, that was open for about a year. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I did that. Uh, but Subhanallah, just ended up uh, just not not working out to come back. And I think I realized when I was leaving that this is probably it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I, I, I was actually thinking about this earlier. And uh, I look at it like you can look at it in two ways. I look at it from myself in one perspective. But I felt like I can look at it in two ways, right? Uh, so the master's program, the fiqh program is another four years. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if I had done that another four years and I had come back, uh, my father passed away uh, a little less than a year ago. Yeah, February he passed away. So the way I look at it is that if I had finished that master's program, no doubt there's benefit in it, and I mean tremendous amount, of course. But I felt like me being able to come back and being at home, uh, I got those extra four years uh, with my father, rather than. The shaitan way of looking at it, which yeah. I, for a moment, it crossed my mind. It was like, well, maybe if you did the master's program, things would have changed and he would, like, no, you can't, yeah. right? So I, I try to take that other perspective, like, you know, that I think was the the khair in it, uh, that that I was able, uh, you know, to have those those four years being at home rather than being away from my family and maybe having to come back and regret like, you know, not having enough time and, and stuff like that. And you always have those regrets, but that's kind of how I look at it, right? So mm -hmm. it just, it wasn't meant, it wasn't meant to be. And inshallah, I'm hoping that, you know, it's, that it was for, for you know, what's best. Do you have any um, inclination to go back and continue the match? It's not possible. I don't it's think it's possible. possible. No, no, okay. not, not to like go back and, and like on what I was accepted on and come back. I don't think so. I don't think it's possible. Mm. And plus, at this point, I don't think it would be practical for me either, okay. just because of the responsibilities now yeah. Yanni, here and stuff. So it's more of, you know what it is for me? It's more of like a motivation for me. Like, dude, you you didn't do that master's program. Like, you have to make up for it some way, mm. you know, and, and here, here. So we'll see if that leads to anything or not. But, <laughs> you know. Mashallah. So you mentioned your father. He passed away in February. Um, can you? I know you shared with us a little bit about him. Yeah. Um, you know, how was it coming back home, graduating from a program, 
and coming yeah. back to your family, your father, your mother, your siblings. It was cool. I mean, because I felt like um, now I finally like appreciated them more, like being away mm-hmm. from them, you know, because when you're when you're always with them, it's just like you take it for granted. Yeah. But being away from a lot of things make, you know, help me appreciate those things. Like even being away from America helped me appreciate like having grown up here and being from here, you know, like lines, like people actually being in lines, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, personal space, that kind of stuff. Right. Like uh, so I I appreciated those things more coming back. Driving, Hmm. bro, driving there was wild. It's got to be rough. Bro, no exaggeration. Looking at the camera, I'm saying this. <laughs> Every time I got in a car, I re- I realized that this may be the end of my life. Because <laughs> a little bit of a drama, drama you know, yeah. it's like I'm going to be a little dramatic here. But, bro, the driving is wild. Like when I came back here and I was driving, I felt like I could sleep and drive. <laughs> I was like so relaxed because the driving there was stressful, man. It was important. Like I needed to have a car and mm-hmm. and, and to be get around and stuff. I loved it. But just it was it was wild. Um, but the idea is like you appreciate those things more when you when you're away from them. So same with my family, you know. Uh, I, I alhamdulillah coming back, like I appreciated being uh, at home, and and even like, you know, people are like, oh, why don't you move out and live somewhere? I said, you know, I was away, away from my family for six years, right? Yeah. Until a, a time comes where I like I have to move out, you know, get married, whatever. Then I'll move out. But until then, it's like, dude, I'm going to, you know, I can be with my family, you know. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes that's not something that people understand uh, until they're away, you know, uh, from their family and stuff. So I would say that's that was um, that was a, gr- a good part of it. And just being around your family, too, it humbles you uh, in that they know who you really are, you know, whereas in public or when you work in a masjid or when you have like, oh, this guy studied in Medina, they give him the sheikh title. Like that can sometimes lead to a false sense of like value, like who you are. Oh, you studied and oh, I studied. I went, you know, I, I'm, I'm something, right? Your family can always help to ground you and keep you in check, Right, not just my direct family, but even my extended family, because they're like, bro, I know who you are, like, <laughs> right, like, like my aunt, she would say, like, dude, like, people would call me sheikh in front of her, like some of my friends, uh, and she lives in Michigan, and he was, she was like, look, I used to clean him when he was young, <laughs> I used to change his diaper, it's not a sheikh to me, you know, and and some people are like, oh, you know, no, my my family calls me sheikh and stuff, like, dude, no. <laughs> I don't want that and I'm happy that that's not the case, you know? So like you you need that. You need people who are like around you who who will keep it, you know, real with you so that mm-hmm. you you keep it real with yourself. No, you know? definitely, mashallah. What advices would you have for students of knowledge or somebody looking to pursue studies, whether it's part-time or full-time? You know, what yeah. would what advices would you give them, you know, mashallah, studying for 6 years? Uh, I mean, the best of all places, man, Medina, bro. Um, not everyone would think it's the best of all places <laughs> there's a lot of uh i i know you didn't ask any of the controversial but there's a lot of like you know um i don't want to call it hate but there's a lot of negativity towards mm-hmm. you know uh the the curriculum and not just the curriculum but like just saudi you know because of of certain things and certain orientations and stuff but 
you know, it, it, it was, uh, it was, uh, a beautiful experience. And I think people don't realize that, you know, um, like people, it's just easier. I think sometimes I know I'm going, I'm going to answer your question. No, but I know I'm kind of going on. <laughs> take your time, uh, but man. People, people real, sometimes it's easier for, for people to like, uh, put a label on something and then categorize it where they want to categorize it or where they feel like it's going to be mm. right. So like Medina automatically, you're going to put, Oh, this guy, depending on who it is, they're going to say either Wahhabi Salafi, uh, doesn't respect the Madahib, this, that, right. And they'll put that, that label and that's just how you 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 see that person, and and yeah, I'm not gonna say that, you know, um, that that's not like that. Not everyone who graduated or who went to Medina is it comes out in the same way or whatever, or that those people they they're not getting that perception completely from, you know, it's there's some reality to that with some of the people and stuff, but at the same time, um, you know you're still going there like Medina is unique because um, it's a global Muslim center. So not everyone who is there is uh, on the same wavelength, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Or the same orientation uh, because it's Medina, right? Not everyone who's there is a proponent of Saudi politics, for example. Not everyone who's there is under the thumb of the, you know, like that. They can't say anything because the government is going to say something. It doesn't, that's not how it, that's not reflective of reality, right? The way, the example that I give, it's like if someone judged you or judged me based off of the fact that I, uh, studied in America, right? Like I went to a college in America. This must mean that I was influenced by the American, you know, uh, American politics Mm -hmm. or that I must be, you know, a supporter of this policy or of that, right? I know it's different in Medina and that the, the university is funded by the government. And so people will use that to say, oh, it's a government. But there's a lot of independence, especially amongst you know, uh, the teachers, at least there was, I I mean, I haven't been, you know, there in in a while in terms of like knowing the studies and stuff, but that's not, it's not reflective of reality. So instead of automatically like grouping everyone who went to Medina in this particular, uh, bucket and assuming that this is what this person's ideology and methodology is, it's, it's, uh, like, it's more productive to be able to see like, what is this person actually like saying? What are they, what are they, you know, what do they believe? What are they calling to how that relates to your question? I'm not sure, but my advice to anyone. Oh, I know why we came back to that, but anyways, my advice to a person (laughs) who wants to study and it kind of relates to this answer is that, uh, is to understand like before they they delve into uh, their studies or they want to go here or want to go there mm-hmm. to understand why they're doing what they're doing, right? Um, to not just check your intention in terms of making sure that you're you're sincere, but actually uh, 
asking yourself like, what do I want to gain from this? Mm-hmm. What do I want this to become for me? Right? Uh, and then that will help you figure out how to how to reach those goals, right? And so on a very practical level, if you're studying or if you want to study, that you take advantage of the resources that are around you, right? Mm-hmm. And that you have a, like, you you uh, you use those resources to help set up your methodology of of being able to learn because there's so much especially now man like with online and so there's so much around you that you can get like just super just oh i want to take this class i want to take this class i want to do this i want to do this i want to do that and you end up just being all over the place mm-hmm. but there's actually a methodology to building your knowledge base Right. And if you're someone, and this is why it goes back to the goal. If you're someone is like, my goal is I want to learn traditional systematic knowledge, then there's a way for that as well. Mm -hmm. There's a path. Right. If it's just like, no, no, I just want, you know, I just want to like be Islamically literate, that's fine. Yeah. No, there's nothing. Actually, that's important. Right. Everyone should be uh, Islamically literate whether you're a doctor, an engineer, a bus driver, whatever it may be, right? That you should know the foundations of, of your deen. If that's your goal, then there's a certain way for that as well. If your goal is like, no, like I'm actually interested in the path of scholarship, then there's a way for that as well. But it starts with your intention. It starts with knowing what exactly it is that you want to accomplish. And then taking advantage of of the the local resources around you you know like there's always access to local resources now in the internet age especially like even if you say well i live in the middle of bufu arkansas likely you'll still have someone of knowledge around and if not then you have the online portal to be yeah. able to 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 get access to that and if you look at the biographies of probably every single scholar in our tradition, or at least the vast majority, what do you find is that their path of knowledge started with two things almost always. Number one, memorizing the Quran. Number one, memorizing the Quran. One of our teachers used to say, if your path of knowledge does not include memorizing the Quran as one of your first steps, then it's a path of knowledge that has been, you know, like it's it's basically, uh, it's not not destroyed, but he says it's it's almost kind of like crippled, right? Uh, and then number two um, is taking advantage of your local of, of local resources. You find almost all the scholars, they didn't start by going to travel mm-hmm. and study. They studied with what they had around them. Then they went to travel if they were able to travel. And some didn't even have to travel that far. Like Imam yeah. al-Nawawi, when he, when he studied, like he started, he memorized the Quran and where he was in, in Nawa. And then he went to Damascus. Damascus is about 50 miles from him, right? But there was benefit there. There was the scholars there. There was the teachers. There, and he spent, you know, his almost the rest of his life there. So if you have that intention and you have that drive and you have that, that will, the resources are there. Mm-hmm. And you'll be able to take advantage of them. So that's that's what I would give, kind of as just some general advices. Um, and then also, like if you're planning on going to st- now, I don't know how how feasible going to study places is anymore. 
uh, definitely not in the COVID area era, but maybe even after. I don't know how it's gonna look, but don't put all of your eggs in one basket. You know, I've seen that happen as well, where like a person will say this place or bust. You know, mm. and they'll put their knowledge journey on hold until they get into that place, right? Uh, and that's dangerous because then you're like setting yourself up with these high expectations for this particular place. And if it doesn't work out, then you're left with nothing. And even mm -hmm. if it does work out, how do you know you're going to be able to, you know, to get through it and to last? You don't know, right? And so it becomes, you know, something that just becomes like a, a pipe dream as opposed to like, there's people who I know personally who never traveled you know, either they, you know, responsibilities hit, family, they're unable to go out. But I can say with certainty that they are more knowledgeable than many of the people who went and traveled. They memorized the Quran. No one knows about it. They, they learned with the local scholars, local resources, and they became teachers themselves. I personally studied with them, you know. Uh, and that just shows like it's 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 not always about just where you're learning or where you're taking from but it's about the person themselves and if a person has just that that will and then they're they're guided along the correct methodology and path then i mean they can they can reach those those high levels of scholarship for sure without leaving their city and who are here in chicago too i mean there's a lot of access to resources here there's a lot of like low key, even scholars and teachers that just don't have the limelight. They don't have the social media following. So they're not like super like sought after, mm -hmm. but they're heavy, man. Mashallah. They're heavy. Mashallah. So yeah, take advantage of that. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, one thing I did want to ask you as well is that what advices would you have for any individuals that are looking to go into the Medina University program? Is there any like tips and tricks that you've kind of learned along the way or as you were studying, you saw more students that were applying and yeah. got accepted? What recommendations would you have? So definitely I would say um, to actually go if you're able to go and make Umrah. Now obviously it's difficult, but if it's in the future, mm -hmm. it's coming up to actually go and make Umrah and apply in person. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, from a lot of the people who I saw got accepted, one common link between many of them was actually interviewing in person. Uh, it's not a guarantee, obviously, but it helps. It helps for sure. So interviewing in person if you're able to. Um, if you have memorized the Quran, that's a big thing too. Mm -hmm. to, to go and having already memorized the Quran, that helps for sure. Uh, any type of studying also that you've done here to, to indicate that, that shows like what we mentioned, this idea that this person is dedicated. This person is not just waiting to go to Medina to study. Uh, good recommendation letters, mm -hmm. right? Either from an institution or organization or someone who uh, went to, to the university. That can help. Um, and then, you know, uh, 
some random ones also is like if you have a different passport <laughs> like if you're coming from like a random country yeah that helps because uh-huh. there's less people who would get accepted from those countries <laughs> so like i know a brother who had like a a mexican passport i told him apply on your mexican passport Mashallah. right because there's a higher chance you yeah. get accepted less people applying right mm-hmm. and on top of that they like that. They like this is because they see that as like more effective in the in terms of da'wah. This is actually like Inshallah. someone who's, you know, from a place that needs this. Mm-hmm. You know, so like there was a guy, he was Egyptian, but he 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 was living in Colombia. So he applied with a Colombian passport or Ecuador, something like that. Yeah. And he got accepted right away, right? He's not Colombian or Ecuadorian. Uh, but that helps. I know that's not like a practical tip because most people are like, dude, what are you talking about? <laughs> I was like, I have an American I passport, and, passport. That's it. <laughs> um, and then if you're like, if anyone who's considering applying who has like a unique background in mm-hmm. terms of like being a, you know, a convert, you know, like you look American, you know, <laughs> you know uh, so like that that helps. They really they, like diversity. It seems like. Yeah, yeah, Washington. yeah. They did. I, I I can't speak to the uni- like what's going on with the university now because it's been a while for me. Mm-hmm. I know things have changed. Even the process has changed and stuff. But that's another thing I would say is talk to someone who's a student there now or who's a a, a recent graduate, and they can help. Uh, you know, you know, uh, to to kind of walk you through the process as well. Even connect you with you know, like the students over there who are there now, yeah. you know, so something like that as well. So reaching out, like you can reach out if you're looking specifically to apply there, reach out to me, reach out, you know, to any of the guys who graduated, uh, Muhammad Khan, who are here in Chicago, you have Tariq, Sheikh Tariq yeah. Muslah, you have uh, Sheikh Ali Tamimi in Michigan, you know, and there's there's some others as well. But reach out to someone and, and get their input, get their advice. Um, yeah, and just keep doing your thing. Like, even when you apply, live your life as if you're not going to get accepted. Mm-hmm. Right? And then if you get accepted, then alhamdulillah, you're able to go. If you're not, if you don't get accepted, then you know, at least you're you're making productive use of, of the time that you have, and you can become, inshallah, more productive even than if if you get accepted, you know, because mm-hmm. Sometimes that's the case too, right? Like a person will rely on the fact that they got in and that's enough, mm-hmm. you know, and that can even affect the way that they study and say, oh, I'm here, I'm, I'm in. So it can be very like lackadaisical and stuff. Whereas someone maybe who doesn't get in, they feel like there's more of like, not a chip on their shoulder, but like I didn't get in, so I have to put in more effort, more work and maybe excel more yeah. than someone who has, you know? Yeah. So nice. Those are, those are the advice. Nice, what are your top five trust me's in Medina? Top five trust me's in Medina? Yeah, that's a good one. Never got, never had this question asked you before? No, no, I like it though. <laughs> I like it. So it's very, it's going to be very uh, <laughs> random here. Ketchup um, chips? Huh? Ketchup chips? I cannot stand ketchup oh, chips. Oh, you don't like it? You're a no, vinegar guy? No, I do not like it. Huh? You're a vinegar guy? I don't like the vinegar either. Oh, okay. I don't like the vinegar. <laughs> um, <laughs> Zamzam water. It's random. I know it's like very like ah, basic. Uh, but 
Oh, I had a, a friend who who only drank Zemzem water while he was in Medina. No like he would go in the masjid and he would take one of those like you can't take any bottles and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So he would take one of those like you know the ones that are like they're, they're like flat. Flat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he would just take it <laughs> in. He would fill them up. He would go put it in his fridge. <laughs> and he would only drink Zemzem. So that to do to get Zemzem free Zemzem. That's one. Um, honey chipotle crispers from Chili's. <laughs> that's two. Um, dang. It's tough. It's tough. There's a lot. You know why I don't like this question? Because I'm going to remember them after I leave. After and I was like, leave. no, I should have said that. Uh, what else? What else? Man. It's tough. The rolda during times of um, like after hedge. When mm. no one is there, mm. dude, goals. <laughs> but now, even now, I think it's not going to be the case because they're, they're, they used to have like a month after Hajj, after everyone left, there was like a month where they weren't letting people in for Umrah because they had to clean up and stuff. Yeah. So it's only people who are local. And you'd be able to go like, you know how the Rolda is, right? Yeah. Like the Rolda is wild, especially for the sisters, man. I feel bad for the sisters. Oh, no, it's like yeah. a stampede, dude. Yeah. But there would be times where, wallah, you could go to the rolda. I would ta- I'd be able to take like my 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 books and stuff and just sit there and study. Allah, no one bothers you. So that's that's the trust me. Most people are not gonna be able to experience that. I'm sorry. Sheikh Muhammad told me about this as well. Yeah. He was telling me he's like, man, he's like afterwards when it's dead, he's like, dude, you just walk in and you just keep walking and yeah, walking yeah. And walking. no one says anything to you like because yeah. usually it's like fighting and trying like get out and yeah. this guy's like praying on your back and he's like dude leave me alone <laughs> then it's just like i just you sit there and you're just chilling you're just chilling yeah so there's that uh so i'm giving you like one food thing and then just one like <laughs> um oh somyan what's that oh i got two of them actually somyan is uh is a uyghur chinese muslim food that they had in a restaurant right outside the university. Oh, Amazing. That's a trust me. Okay. And then the fourth is uh, sere, which is a Nigerian food that they had right outside the haram. Mashallah. And then fire. It's just like this like roasted meat. Mm-hmm. It has this special spice that they give you and you eat it like by itself or with onions and bread. Amazing. Mashallah. That's four. It's four, right? Four and you're putting those two together as one no those are two okay those are two did i give you five already i think so Mashallah. Right. so you come back from medina you fly over to chicago um spending time with family and things like that um how did you get the position that you're at right now the youth director at icn uh so actually it was open when right. i came like even as i was like coming back i had you know i was told that it's open they're looking and stuff and uh, Sheikh Rizwan, you know, he's OG, mashallah, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's a good man. Also, kind of low-key, but, you know, um, he just puts his head down and does, does good work, mashallah. mashallah. So he was someone I knew, went to school with. He was older, obviously, but, you know, uh, always looked up to him growing up, too. Like, he made it a point as an older guy to, like, you know, like, I remember he would invite us to his house uh, you know, to eat, watch basketball. We would play basketball sometimes with him. He was he was a he was a baller, man. Top of the key. That dude, shot is money. Baller, bro. that double clutch. <laughs> dude, mashallah, man. Mashallah. Uh, amazing, amazing uh, guy, amazing basketball player. So, you know, him working there kind of like I was like, you know, I, I I would 
I know I would be able to 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 work with him. I respect him a lot. He's someone that I know like I can understand, he can understand me. So I applied mm-hmm. and alhamdulillah it was it's a it was a good fit. Nice. It's a good Mashallah. community, man. It's a good community. Mashallah Uthman's great too, but I see I see it's dope, man. Mashallah. No, no, mashallah, it's it's a good community, man. It's alhamdulillah it's a it's a healthy, vibrant, active, Mashallah. engaged community. Like they they're um I don't know how much I can hype him because it's a Mr. Uthman thing. Go ahead, hype him all you joking, want, man. I'm just joking. <laughs> but it's just it's it's good. Like you 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 sense the like the togetherness of the community, Mashallah. the willingness to work uh and 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 get things done and and just to to like it's just healthy, man. Mashallah. Just healthy. So it's it, it was it was a good, you know, you hear like horror stories, uh, especially while you're studying and stuff of like imams and you know difficult communities and boards and stuff and so to be uh to be involved with uh with a community and and with a uh, even a board and and an imam who you know you can you can do your thing with you can vibe and stuff it's 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 a big blessing alhamdulillah i can see here also based on this that you know masjid Uthman is holding it down too so (laughs) It's good. It's good vibes. It's good vibes. Mashallah. Yeah. How long have you been at your position now? Man, I don't even know, man. About four years. Four I think. years, right? Four, maybe five years. Okay, Mashallah. So, how do you keep up to date with the youth? I know, Mashallah, you're 21. Yeah. So you know, you're young. You know, aside from being young, you know, how else <laughs> do you keep up with you know like new issues that are popping up yeah. within the community and things like that? And yeah, moving yeah. forward, how would you adapt to that as well? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, just. Like just being around them, mm-hmm. like being like, you know, uh, spending time even virtually with them. So like I, I don't like if if you like present yourself to to younger people as like, hey, I'm your sheikh. You're yeah. my you're my murid or my student or whatever. <laughs> Uh, that doesn't really work a lot with younger people, mm-hmm. like high school, like just the the norm. I'm sure you have some people who that does work with, but like just the average high schooler, whatever. That like, dude, they're just like they're just trying to live their life and yeah. you know, like play Among Us and and Fortnite and, and just chill and stuff. But just like you know, being around them and 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 doing the things that they like to do. And I'm I personally like. I I enjoy some of those things as well. Like I still like I still I love sports. So I'm still like super into it. So I can carry that conversation with mm-hmm. someone who likes sports, right? And actually know what I'm talking about and not have that like awkward like yeah, like I'm the relevant imam guy who <laughs> I love the home runs in this football game right now, you know? By Muhammad Jordan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Or like when they shoot, and there's no offense to like any of them. Like when yeah. they shoot a basketball, it's like, dude, you've never shot a basketball before in your life. <laughs> not to like, though, I'm not criticizing them, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But like, I actually like that's something like that's the, I just do that. Like that's mm. just part of like I never lost that. I never, and that's not a good. I'm not saying that's a good thing either. <laughs> like because I know like a lot of this mashaykh and stuff, like they're putting their time and things that are a lot more valuable. But like that's just who I am, and I'm not gonna front and pretend like. I don't still like, I still play Madden, right? Mm-hmm. I don't like, I'll still play ball. I haven't played in a while though. Just falling off now. <laughs> uh, 
but that's oh, just man. that's just stuff that I like. Yeah. I, so I still do it, you mm-hmm. know. And so I, I just try to 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 like to be myself with them, and you oh, know, sure. I, I'll play. I, I'm horrible at any uh like first person shooter video games so i don't do that but like i play amongst us with, with uh, among us with uh some of the like these uh our youth program guys horrible at it but you know it's it's chill and so just keeping you know and I, I also i i personally i just keep up to date with what's happening mm-hmm. right i i take in too much information like politics just frustrating what's happening in you know the the the, the pop culture world like yeah. jake paul trying to fight conor mcgregor and that's being a big thing now you know so i just like for better or worse Wait, i just find he's trying to fight mayweather right no his brother is trying to fight mayweather oh okay, logan okay. paul he's okay. gonna fight mayweather sorry i'm old <laughs> no, you're just you just you spend your time better than I do. But Jake Paul is gonna is wants to fight Conor McGregor. Oh, he's not giving him the light of day though. Yeah, Conor McGregor is just ignoring. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Dude, okay. Jake Paul's a he's a joke. He's a yeah. YouTuber. Uh well, gonna challenge me. <laughs> uh but yeah, so just you know just, you just up. you just keep you just keep up to date and, and just utilize that information. Just talk to people where they're at. No, that's know? dope, man. What advice would you have for somebody who is a youth director? Mashallah, you've been one for about four or five years now. Yeah, so actually I, I transitioned out of the youth director like officially. Oh, nice. But I still like oversee the youth program. Uh, we have youth direct, two specific youth directors now, a guy and a girl. Nice, mashallah. So they kind of handle like all the stuff that I'm like, dude, I'm done with this. <laughs> you know? I'm um, getting too old for this. <laughs> yeah, man. Like I can't be planning events anymore and yeah. stuff. I'm just, uh, it's just not me, bro. What's but your official title now? Education. Oh, mashallah. Education director. Mashallah. Just a fancy way of saying teacher. Mean oh, you got Sheikh Rizwan <laughs> too right there, man. He's a religious director. Okay, yeah, he's, he's like, he's the, he's the, you know. The head guy in charge. I'm just like, I'm just helping out. And that's, I like that too, by the way. But um, yeah, I would say that being a youth director, you really have to like, you really have to like want to, to help. Not, not just to want to help you. Like you just, you have to want to, to, to engage the youth and you have to like, you have to have a passion for it. Mm -hmm. Right. And if you don't have a passion for it, it doesn't mean that you can't do the work, but it means that, you know, like one of the best youth directors that I've ever seen, uh, from the Orland park, you know, the Orland park, the way that they built their youth program and stuff that came from like guys who, you know, were coming in who legitimately just wanted to spend time with the youth and just like, just be with them, just help Mm -hmm. them out. You know, it wasn't like, I need to teach you this because you're lost. It was like, dude, like, like you're my brother, you know, you're like, you're like my younger brother. You are my younger brother. Let's, let's have a good time. Let's, you know, let's go out to eat. Let's play basketball. And, 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 just being in that good company is enough. And then, and then, you know, you build from that, the ability to speak with them, the ability to, you know, to advise them. And and you see the, the, the results of that, like in particular, that community, it built leaders, Mashallah. right? Like, uh, the, the people there who are running the youth program now 
were people who who were you know participants in the youth program Inshallah. in middle school and stuff Inshallah. one of them is studying now in Medina Hassan Hassan Natur right Inshallah. he was someone who grew up in that what does that come from that comes from that nurturing that comes from that legitimate care that was long story short to be a uh, you know if you if you're a youth director already or you want to be a youth director it's like you have to have that that passion for um for being with the youth and and for helping them and for actually just like you know be willing to have a a personal relationship with them care with care for them that kind of stuff you know and then everything else comes from that right so because that that if you have that then you're willing to deal with the you know, uh, maybe the annoyances you can say that come with with the job. You're willing to be patient with, you know, a person maybe who takes two steps forward, but then takes four steps back. Mm -hmm. You know, a person who is disrespectful and and you 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 are able to deal with those things because you see things from a a broader. You see the big picture. You know, you have that broader perspective. Mashallah. Yeah. So what are your future plans and goals moving forward in life? Um, is there anything on the horizon that you're shooting for? We'll see, man. We'll see, inshallah. I, I uh, you know, I, I have... Aside from Michigan winning a title. Inshallah. <laughs> inshallah. <laughs> One day. <laughs> One day, inshallah. Um, you know, I just, I, I think... It's important that Islam, Islamic education is accessible to everyone, Inshallah. to everyone. Like sometimes, and I, I, I hinted to this a little bit earlier, sometimes we think that it's only like the, the select few who want to go and study. Mm -hmm. Those are the only people who are going to actually learn Islam, right? Uh, and then everyone else is just just whatever you learn growing up or whatever you pick up along the way. I, I really think that everyone, no matter what their background is, no matter what their level is, no matter what they're doing with their life, has to be or should have access to Islamic literacy, to be able to know the, fu the fundamentals, the foundations of why they're Muslim and what they believe as Muslims and mm -hmm. what's what's what their responsibilities are as Muslims, right? Like, you know, their their connection with Allah uh, and how to develop that and how to work on that and then how to, how to like engage in a way that is pleasing to Allah. I.e. like their, 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 their fardain, like their fit, like yeah, fit in essence, right? That's something that should be accessible to everyone. So my passion is there in like education and stuff. So, Hopefully, inshallah, we'll see. But, you know, working on things to allow that, you know, access to education to be, um, you know, wider wide and more widespread. Definitely. Inshallah. Mashallah. May Allah Ta'ala reward your endeavors, grant you barakah in it as well. I mean, inshallah. Um, Jazakallah khairan for joining us. I appreciate I mean, it. Uh, I appreciate it so much more, man. I, I I enjoyed it honestly. It's been uh, I haven't you know I never really uh, especially like a lot of the Medina stuff. That stuff yeah. kind of just it, it stays in very small circles, mm -hmm. like with the other Medina guys. Because uh, but it's nice to talk about it and it brings back a lot of a lot of good memories. So I, so I appreciate it. Jazakallah khairan again for joining us, man. May Allah reward your father. Like I can I never mean, I can never forget. Like every time you used to walk into a mushroom, he's just smiling, bro. He's just yeah, always just a jolly, you know, just always interacting with everybody. 
Um, you know, may Allah reward him immensely. May Ameen. Allah Ta'ala forgive his sins, expand his grave, Ameen, uh, grant Ameen. him the highest of Firdaus al-A'la bighayri hisab, um, you know, in the eternal abode. And mashallah, I mean, it does without saying that you are a living example of your father. And mashallah, you are doing so much for the community. Everything you do, inshallah, you know, your father invested this. Like Ameen. you said, you know, inshallah. how you traveled uh, so far to make sure that you got your education and he pushed you, you know, yeah, yeah. so much forward to study in Medina, come back, and now benefit our communities here. Yeah, that's why I consider myself just a part of him, like of his, uh, of his good deeds. I hope, inshallah. Inshallah, inshallah. inshallah. Man, I mean, <laughs> appreciate it, bro.